Welcome back. We are here on Movie Marathon with Mike and Murph to talk about uh, our final entry in the Indiana Jones series, even though it is the first entry in the Indiana Jones series. Uh, and it is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's not Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> or <morning>. is it? <laughs> Good morning. Uh, which I, I, nothing, I mean, I, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it also, people can be goddamn insufferable about that. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> Well, like I said, I, I was very, as a kid, I was always very confused. I thought it was Indiana Jones and, uh, but it's not. Um, yeah, I assume people who are like 10 years older than us, maybe, maybe a little less than that, but who are like eight, nine, 10, when like Raiders of the Lost Ark comes out, are like the specific demographic who are insufferable about that. <laughs> I, uh, fair. I've gotten pissed because I've tried to find this on streaming platforms. I've been searching for Indiana Jones and it never pops up. I'm like, <laughs> why will this not show? I don't, I don't understand it. Um, just uh, just just means I, I I apparently am not perceptive when it comes to these things. <laughs> uh, it does feel weird though because it it does. Just all obviously all the other movies are Indiana Jones and um and just because of our age, um like I don't know we would have been like one when Temple of Doom came out. So like, uh, we've always lived in a no, world I... where it's more Indiana Jones and uh, so when it's just Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's like oh, what a world to live in where. What a time to be Indiana alive! Jones wasn't even in the title. <laughs> like what a what a discovery that had to have been. <laughs> That's how you age yourself, as you you know. It's like, well, were you pre or post Indiana Jones and uh, as part of your 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 age? Uh, if you're pre, it means you're probably in your fifties. If you're post, you're like, probably in your forties. It's it's like the James Bond series where it's like Doctor No, and then it's like. James Bond and from Russia and love and James Bond and Goldfinger. Right. That's, that's how all those titles work. <laughs> uh, that's and that's also um, uh, James Bond jr. That's how they came about that. Yeah. And, and the young, the adventures of the young Indiana Jones. Well, I guess you, in the James Bond, you could go with the, it's actually the James Bond is 007 in Goldfinger, <laughs> which they, they have done that. Oh, at least in yeah. like the movie trailers, they've done that a yeah. couple of times. That's <laughs> actually, great. Uh, those were the real titles. <laughs> James or James Bond is 007 in Octopussy. Yeah, I uh, oh, I he's in one. Octopussy. Oh, he, <laughs> yes, he <is>. yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're welcome. That was a layup. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I was watching that one, um, last week, and I will say, I, I think the Roger Moore era is probably my favorite era, even though it is. For all intents and purposes, it's got some pretty shitty moments, and <laughs> it just—it's a lot more fun. It just doesn't take itself too seriously, and I—I I think I enjoy that the most about it. I'm glad I didn't live through it in real time. I'm glad to just have it as a <laughs> thing that existed as when I got into James Bond because there'd be a kind of a rough run um, at times uh, <laughs> for uh, some of the movies. Well, if you think about it, if we were old enough. Our first entry would have been a view to a kill. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty tough uh, jump know, point that, for that. Series. When I was like, like 10 years old, that was my favorite Bond. <laughs> was it? Probably a little older than 10, probably even like 12 or something. Yeah. Uh, for what, a while. What, um, what, what, what attracted you to that? Cause now I, <laughs> I know it's just Raiders, but I want to know what the hell's wrong I, with you. I'm going to guess. <laughs> um, One, I kind of like, I think I was like old enough where I could start to understand like the plot. And so I was like, Oh, like I could kind of understand the evil plan. But then I also think it was um, the uh, two female leads. I was at an age where I was <laughs> very intrigued by what I was feeling. 
um when seeing them on screen <laughs> stacy something and uh like were you talking about mayday yeah, oh yeah <laughs> and uh, okay tanya roberts right. who's the tanya roberts that's it. okay yeah she was the playboy I, I, was, I was like 12 13 and i was just like whoa like women like what's Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um fair fair enough i uh there, there my first bond movie in a the theater was the uh was the world is not enough and uh part of the incentive for me going was denise richards was in it and this yeah, is po- this disagree. is obviously post uh wild things so yeah <laughs> uh she went over a lot of a lot of teenagers and in the, the late 90s it's, it's weird that was your first one in theater but you were aware of wild things <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, but a very specific time and age like... <laughs> yeah it's like uh when my hormones were probably driving movie taste more than they should <laughs> <laughs> um anyway <laughs> so, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> let's talk more about bond since this is my favorite movie <laughs> i did want to talk about bond just because uh I, well I was yeah watching... it actually is relevant to... <laughs> yeah it's it's super relevant and i think actually I'll, I'll i'll go with that um this is coming out at a time and this is 81 and Correct. it's coming out at a time where it's probably more relevant than Bond was in terms of action adventure. Uh, again, Roger Moore was mid fifties around <laughs> this time, still making. So, and in, in, he does what for your eyes only is in eighty one. Then he does sounds right Octopussy eighty three, and then eighty five is View to a Kill. Yeah, it's interesting that Indy is. I feel like probably starting to take some of that mantle. I, I didn't check the stats, but I'd have to. I I, I would. Hazard a guess that the indie movies between Temple of Doom and Raiders probably grossed more than all three of those Bond movies in that same five-year or four-year run. I would have to think. Yeah. I think uh, Raiders was so big. It, it I wouldn't be shocked if just one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought that too because Raiders was oh man, I had it right. I had it pulled in front of me. Um, Three hundred ninety million dollars on a twenty million dollar budget, which is wild yeah but i'm also not surprised when i see a legacy and i it, to me I, yeah jesus for, for your eyes only in 81 uh 54 million okay yeah i Domestic. am feeling now, comfortable you're right that that's it's gonna... uh kind of difficult to i don't know what worldwide like online you can't always get the greatest worldwide numbers for that far back so Okay, so it's double it. It's probably a hundred, hundred million dollars globally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it just tells you what a massive, massive hit like this was. Um, almost in just the way media was back then, it's almost hard to quite understand what that would have been like at the time. Where I, it just I, like plays yeah. forever. Um, I guess that's and, the other thing too. This stayed in theaters probably a lot longer than than Crystal Skull or Dow uh, Destiny would today, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, this would just run on for months at theaters because... And that, that's why, like, the box office then, even with cheaper ticket prices, could get so high because there wasn't... I mean, it, this time we're starting to get into a cable home video market a little bit, but it's still at a time where people are more like, well, if you don't go see it now, like... You might not it's gone. see it. Like, yeah. yeah. And so I'm trying to think, kind of put my mindset into what that would be like, um, like if taking my kids to see a movie that they love and just 
to be thinking about like, oh, when this is not in theaters anymore, like we may never see it again and be like, yeah, like we would 100 percent go back. Uh, that feels, that feels really... super, super strange. <laughs> yeah. Like it's almost yeah, it's almost at this point hard to get your head into that mindset <laughs> to even contemplate it because it's so foreign. To... Whereas like no, now, like sometimes that, my yeah. son is like. It's like, oh, we don't have to go see it in the theater. Like, it'll be on Disney Plus in like in like a month. <laughs> like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, and we've been trying to watch Super Mario, and uh, Anna's been mad because she she didn't go with us, and she she was mad that she we keep waiting for it to come out on streaming where we can actually we have to pay for it because it's like it's supposed you can to be buy, coming to you Peacock soon. Yeah, and we have Peacock, so it's like, all okay. right, well, she's yeah. just she so she's like frustrated. She has to wait like an extra but, month for it. But yeah, yeah. it's. <laughs> It's Although easy. It's, Peacock's kind of pissing me off. Um, for a <laughs> while now, they've been promoting like coming soon, uh, Super Mario Brothers, yeah. um, and uh, Fast whatever. Fast <laughs> ten. Um, I yeah, I still with seen no that. with no date. Just it's coming soon, <laughs> and it's been like that for like a month. <laughs> I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> like, what does this mean? <laughs> coming soon needs to mean something. Should we do the Fast movies at some point? Ooh, that would be interesting. I know the story of your the, favorites, the, the 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 delightful tale of Dominic Toretto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Yeah. I've uh, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to discuss. <laughs> There's at least three or four of those. I'm just thinking, and like that's going to be a slog to go through. <laughs> just, yeah, be... I'm just worried we're going to uh, hit like I don't know, like six, seven, eight, nine. It's going to be very repetitive. Oh yeah, what yeah. we have to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I I I I agree. <laughs> That's all. I, I, I'm I'm kind of half kidding. Uh, it might I be want... <laughs> probably one where we need. Uh, well, I was gonna say we might need to like condense like two or three movies into like one episode. <laughs> I feel like you could take the last the, five of them and be, the, it, would, it would be yeah the opposite of what uh I think we need for this movie <laughs> where we need like uh, five episodes. <laughs> I know we haven't even talked about it, and we're. Well, I was doing something, and so we started this at six thirty in the morning, and then I was doing something, and then your internet was giving you a problem, so we ended up starting at almost seven. We are handicapped by a two hour, two and a half hour limit now. I know. Get under, which is not a good sign for anybody who's probably starting to listen to this because you're only about five minutes into it, and we're we're (laughs) we're talking about how. um, Well, we're not even talking about Indiana Jones yet, and we're talking about uh, handicapping the time. All um, right. So should we talk about Indiana Jones? Scene one. <laughs> All right. So I, I mean, famously, <laughs> uh, Spielberg is interested in directing a Bond movie, but it's the time of the, those producers don't want to go with an American director. I also think it, it's like similar to right now, where um, and now they're in a different place where maybe they'll do this. But Christopher Nolan talking about doing like a Bond movie or something, and I just a little bit have a hard time still seeing those producers relinquishing enough for that to for that to yeah. work unless it's just like unless they're like, just like, oh we like we can't not do this because it's Christopher Nolan or but again at that time it's um and Nolan would almost be like post indie Spielberg wanting to do it where it's like well this gets us like very relevant <laughs> really fast um if we go that route I mean, who who do you think the most accomplished Bond director was? 
God, I'm glad. I mean, it's I mean, got to be. Um, was gonna be with, yeah, it's, it's got to be Mendes, right? I would and then, think. I mean, and then I, he I don't know. there's Deacons. some of the. Um, John Glenn did a lot of stuff, but I feel like he did a lot of stuff in that series. So I don't know if that counts. Roger right, and there's a lot for a Spots long run where it's like there are people who I say Roger Spots was done some stuff here and there, and what's um, uh, he did a uh, Golden Eye and Casino Royale. Oh, um, ah, uh, God, he also did softcore porn, and I, I... no, really, <laughs> yeah, that, he also I did Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds, uh, Martin Campbell, <laughs> Martin Campbell, yeah, thank you, um, uh, yeah, I think I heard that on on the Mira. Gorley bond run they, they made fun of martin campbell's like career pre golden <laughs> i bet it was pretty good softcore porn because it's impressive that he did golden eye and casino royale of just how different those movies they are so he, he and how he's rebooted that series twice now so which is kind of interesting. yeah which is impressive um, uh i don't think he's going to come back for a third time i don't know maybe maybe, maybe he will <laughs> that'd be um, funny that'd be fun um but yeah so for this there uh Spielberg and Lucas are like, all right, well, we can't do Bond, so let's just come up with like our own thing. And so they go going back to some of like the serials and adventure movies, um, and where like you can. What I love about the character Andy Berater so much is when you really look at it, you can see some of that Bond DNA. But once they went a direction, they like re- it really gets distanced from Bond pretty quick. It doesn't. It's definitely not like what you'd expect someone who didn't get to do a Bond movie was going to do, because it's... Uh-oh. And the internet rears its head. Adventure as opposed to spy. Don't see his face for a long time. Which is not unique to Bond, but it's kind of an introduction of an iconic character that's a little bit similar. Yeah, uh, I would have liked to have seen Spielberg and Lucas get a shot at a Bond movie uh, because this is so well done. Uh, I, I, I'm, but I also think that them getting to build their own world and uh, own source material is probably why this is so so good. I, I wonder if if you would have had some if if Spielberg's making a Bond movie in '81 and he's stuck with Roger Moore and he's got. Yeah, <laughs> uh, broccoli and saltman on top of him in terms of creative control. I'm like, I, I it may not have come out that well. It may not have mattered. Well, if you it's had a quality director. Yeah, so this, and it's why it uh, you hate what say like today. Like every good director gets sucked into like an IP machine. Yeah, and it's like oh, like look what like they did not get to go the existing IP route and had to make their own thing. Like look what they came up with. Like something that is now like being recycled or. Returned there's nothing, out. There's nothing 40, new anymore. Two years later, um, <laughs> uh, where like it, it, you know, it'd be interesting if you know James Mangold um, d- directed the new one. It, and I mean, he's a little older, more established than you know Spielberg. Well, maybe not more established, but older than Spielberg. Lucas would have been in like '81. But even still, of like, oh, like you want to do like an indie movie? Well, you can't do Indiana Jones, so go come up with your own. <laughs> thing that, like, that would be good i think that's what that's what um i mean plenty of people have tried and they've not been good so <laughs> no promises but there's also a chance that we get like an iconic movie character from some i uh i just i yeah i do get i don't know the word tired is right but i i, I have gotten fatigued from the uh from the 
IP onslaught. Like, like Nolan, it Nolan's seems... impressive. Oppenheimer, obviously, it's a historical piece, but it is it is an original piece by by Nolan. It's not it's yeah. not just. Well, and I would say it seems like the box office. You're starting to see that a bit as the kind of stuff that feels really retread. Um, like another superhero movie. Oh, another Indiana Jones movie with old Harrison Ford. And like stuff that's like blatantly not original seems to be not resonating. Not yeah, not hitting a, a limit of how interested people are in going to see it. Uh, yeah, I I, I agree. And uh, so we're 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 watching we're recording this on July twenty third, Barbenheimer uh, weekend. Barbenheimer weekend. Um, interestingly, Indy has still not even broken its budget. Apparently, it's at three hundred and twelve million globally, which is it's too bad. I I I don't think it's a bad movie, but. <clears throat> Even, no, but it's mi- crazy that this was eighteen million to make it. Yeah, yeah, or like I mean, probably around twenty in that. But it's like once you cross into three hundred million, it's like I, I don't know. Like if I was running something, I'd be like, this seems like a dumb idea. Like I know Indiana Jones seems like an automatic slam dunk, but like to have to clear three hundred million for even be worth never it. mind like or, well, um, not even worth it, but ad print and stuff. But um, although I don't know how much print budget you need in these days. <laughs> um uh it's for the burger king promos they were yeah <laughs> uh but when you have to clear that bar it's just you have no margin for error like, you, like no it's the, all risk at that point yeah and i was like that's i don't know that's why like the strikes that was so funny it's like i don't know it's the people running the studio making these decisions who are maybe the questionable ones here they are. I, I was laughing. I read an article profit at risk. on CNN about um, Hollywood accounting uh, this past week. Oh, that's bananas. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was just like, I don't coming from a finance background. Like, I don't understand how the hell this has ever passed an audit um, or how how somebody hasn't sued them and won on on effectively just bull, like bullshit accounting. The one that got me was uh, Men in Black has never turned a profit. Like the original has <laughs> yeah. never turned a profit. But they've made like three sequels. And like, yeah, and it's yes. like I, I have a hard time believing that. But okay. If you guys There's a few people who have sued and won when they've done really egregious stuff. Yeah. Like Peter Jackson sued New Line. Oh, really? And, I didn't know that. And won because they were trying to say Lord of the Rings wasn't profitable. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and then yeah. David Duchovny sued, I think, over the syndication rights at X-Files. Um. Because they did some like really shady stuff where they like sold to Fox affiliates on like a sweetheart deal without like putting things out for a bid. Um, and it's like really it's screwed. And like it's uh, every now and then like they really just like get cocky and do something egregious and then they get uh, then they get sued. But if it's the standard like men in black hasn't turned to profit stuff, yeah, like it basically no one ever sues on that because they know we're not going to like, we're not going to win. And you're just going to, this is just what they do. <laughs> like They have enough shit where like, and I think it's also where it has to be so egregious where it's like, it's worth it for like the lawyer fees of and the risk of like, not getting paid or yeah, five, six yeah. years in court and souring a relationship with a, like a potential employer. And sounds like a real David Duke move. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, is like, oh, it's a hundred million dollars you owe me. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and take you to court. Uh, good for him. Um, uh, well, all right. So Raiders <laughs> of the Lost. Ark. Yeah, <laughs> I bet Spielberg and Lucas did all right though <laughs> on, on, the, on the indie I, movies. I think it all turned out. Wait, Peter Jackson's net worth is one point five billion dollars. Holy shit! That's pretty. That's Jesus. Ridiculous. Sorry. All right. Well, I'm yeah. gonna have to take some time to digest that. But anyway. <laughs> So, uh, so I guess so this is my all-time favorite movie, and it took me a while to come to that. Um, as an adult of, where so like, I went to like film school and wanted to like be a more a more serious film fan. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't favorite movie can't be like an Indiana Jones movie. That's like the franchise <laughs> adventure, like popcorn movie. And then as I became an adult, I was like, I was like, yeah, but if that's the movie, like. <laughs> that you like the most it resonates with you that's just your favorite movie like you can still like plenty of others um and i don't know it's something about the character I, it's definitely love out of the character in the movies from being a kid still carrying over and still being able to kind of see it through that that lens a bit um but i i have no clue when i first saw this movie it just feels like it has always existed in my life to some to some degree or another. Uh, um, do, you, do you have any memory of seeing this the first time? I don't. And I feel bad saying that because I, I don't, I don't recall when I, I first saw it, but I, I just remember this and the temple of doom being on all the time on cable when we were kids or, and you said it with uh, uh last crusade that it was on like ABC Sunday night or Saturday night or whatever, yeah, uh, like, like the matinee kinda. thing. Yeah, it, it, I, 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 well, I will say, um, why well, I, I remember being very pretentious about movies in the, uh, um, <laughs> when I was in my twenties. Uh, case in point, it's actually it's a Nolan movie too. We were, we were talking about him earlier. Um, when Memento came out, everybody's like, oh, this is this is such a good movie. It's so interesting, and they the way he shot it, where everything's in reverse, and you know they're they're shooting it as if. You know the audience has the the memory issue that that uh, the main character does. Everybody thinks that's that that's artsy or um, what was it? Aronofsky did around the same time um, Requiem for a Dream, and it's like I remember when we were at that age, it was like you had to like something dark and brooding to have like what would be considered movie taste. And now you're right as an adult, like who gives a shit? Like I don't, I don't want to watch that depressing shit. Like I'm just I want to watch. This, something yeah, like, like this dark and fun. brooding is not smarter and more interesting than <laughs> yeah, earnestness or, or, or well done or yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's just dark and brooding like yeah it's and i think you're right like it doesn't really matter uh reddit has taught me that even some of the worst movies that i will make fun of and and i will be pretentious about um there's somebody out there that is their favorite movie <laughs> that's yeah. okay that's a good thing so um yeah i don't remember the first time i watched it other than just I talked about like my dad had the movie poster on his um, lab window and it covered the, so you could never see into it because it had the, the poster on it. But uh, um, I just remember seeing it all the time as a kid. I just, it, it just felt like to your point, it was constantly a part of our lives and it was, I don't, I don't think I had it on VHS or, or Blu-ray or v or DVD or anything like that. It was just, but it was just always, around on tv i remember hearing their friends having the vhs um when you'd go to their house 
and that that just being kind of one you'd often see in a collection of like VHS movies. Um, and then so much of, especially the opening um, of just pop culture, kind of digesting it and spitting it back out at you in like spoofs or uh, yeah. references. And it just kind of like being assumed everyone is aware of this. It's like <laughs> ubiquitous. <laughs> related i do remember the first time i watched uhf which uh opens <laughs> um with a parody of of raiders of the lost Ark. <laughs> so that tells you that tells you something is like i was years just, i thought spielberg ripped off weird al <laughs> yeah i was i was just old enough that that i was influenced not even by the original property itself but the the um parody of that property <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how many things fall into that category for like the simpsons for me um, that's that's probably true <laughs> yeah. um, especially something like citizen kane where it's like i had no idea this was like a citizen kane reference for like a decade the the critic is it rosebud rosebud frozen peas and then and then um, kane simpsons almost uh well, yeah. So I, I, I know I was looking. Sorry, I. Well, I was also we're talking about this. I was looking through, um, um, Indiana or Indiana Jones, uh, Harrison Ford's IMDb, and it's crazy. It's that, all right, you know, <laughs> a decent run. Well, he he does go, um, forced him from Navarone straight into the the Star Wars holiday special, <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes into the story of the faithful Wookiee. <laughs> Which I have never heard of that, but it's a short story. So we got to, we, I, I got to check that out. And then he goes, Apocalypse Now. And then you skip ahead to 1980, Empire Strikes Back, Raiders, Blade Runner, Return of the Jedi, yeah, Temple of that's... Doom, Witness. <laughs> and then you go to 89 and he, he does uh, Last Crusade. And then not long after that, he's doing Patriot Game. I mean, God, his career is crazy. It's, he is, he's had like three different peaks in his career. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's it's <laughs> you forget sometimes how much he's done. Like you go through it, you're reading it. And it's like, well, obviously, like you know, Star Wars, like Indiana Jones. Okay, and it's like, oh god, yeah, Blade Runner. Like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I guess. I mean, not a huge movie at the time, box office wise, but now iconic. But it's gotten a, like, lot, a lot more love. Or, yeah. Um. Yeah, and then it's like, oh right, like the fugitive that was massive. Yeah, I forget that was I was when I was looking. At it. I was like, I I totally forgot about that. So why why is Hollywood this Homicide biggest that, movie of two thousand three? I saw that movie. Fucking sucks. Six days, seven nights. Hey. I saw that one. Which that one <laughs> is going to sound weird. Oh, I can't wait. All right, all right, let's yeah. go. What always stands out to me from Six Days, Seven Nights is uh, David Schwimmer fucking ripped. What? Yeah, at least in that movie, he, he I have to. I, I might I be disappointed it. if I watch it again, but I just remember being stunned. There's a scene in that movie where he's like shirtless and he's just like jacked, and I was like, "What the fuck, Ross is jacked?" I yeah, I I for the record, I hate David Schwimmer. I don't know what it is. Like he just seems like wormy and annoying. Uh, now I'm looking at David Schwimmer pictures. <laughs> I'm trying to find. Uh, shirtless. I, I don't want to Google shirtless. <laughs> but I'm trying to like see if by through process of elimination on Google Images, I actually you'll actually there. hit one. So far, we are coming up. Uh, 
we are we are coming up with, with oh Danny Trejo was in that. That sounds right. <laughs> um, I I just can't stand David Schwimmer. I I, I can't stand the show Friends and my, whatever it's on. My my wife watches it quite a bit, and I always just give her sh- endless shit about it. <laughs> I remember watching it really like in the first like two or three seasons, and then kind of fell out of it a bit and it's like i find hit or miss i mean i've seen one plenty here and there and it's hit or miss but i will say his character can be and i forget it i forget like i've seen things about it like his it, it there's something like his character when you say whiny and wormy it's like there are, are some things with his character where like he might be a shitty person like oh yeah that that was i mean that's or it's like he might be like an awful narcissist too like i think all of the people in friends were, well anyway I, I, I why do, so let's why why is Raiders your favorite movie? That is a much better question than me googling uh shirtless David Schwimmer. Uh, um, obviously, I'm sure there's nostalgia as a kid, and it's just a character I love to the point where I've like read a bunch of these like novels and things, and like watched like Young Indiana Jones, and um, like I, I I've, I've I've digested like the bad version of this, um. <laughs> And, and love it so definitely that but i think raiders is just a perfect movie and the more as far as from um kind of a script storytelling standpoint that it's so efficient in just moving from i don't want to say set piece to set piece but that is kind of it but in a way that is clever and well established and set up and connects together properly really for the story so one of my favorite um to the audience in a successful screenplay and i think this movie is brilliant in how it does some setups and payoffs to the point where it has a payoff that becomes a setup and so you don't you don't see like when you watch it a million times sure and like and maybe i've just seen it from the eyes of a kid but you don't see the seams of what they're doing that much, I feel. So the opening is I mean brilliant, iconic, like cold open. But it sets up so many moments of like Indy being like introducing your character as this badass adventurer. Like um you only see him like silhouetted. So initially that this is like a cool way to frame and shoot him. Um But he's obviously knowledgeable where he established him as brave because all these like guys kind of run off. Well, he he catches the guy who's gonna like double cross him, who pulls the gun out. But then he and like Alfred Molina go in the temple and like they get covered in spiders and he's like completely unfazed. Um, it all like builds up to he gets in the plane at the end and like you've seen this character be nothing but like cool, collected, brave, like. <laughs> And then there's a snake in there and he flips his shit. And he's like, I hate snakes. Um, and it's an awesome, like, humanizing moment for the character where it's like, it suddenly makes this character who seemed like the coolest person in the world, like, completely relatable. He's human. Um, and so it's a great punchline and great payoff to that. But it also is setting up later in the movie when they go into the Well of Souls and it's full of snakes. Um, and because 
it's a punchline to something <clears throat> that's been set up. The internet hits the payoff. You don't see it as, uh, and that's what this is all about. Like letting us know why a scene later on was going to be so hard on our character. Um, and I think it just has a lot of moments like that where something happens in the moment just feels fun, organic, cool, and ends up being important later on and adds a lot of weight to the storytelling and to the character. Yeah, I, I, I will. I was blown away by the, the technical prowess of, of Spielberg. And maybe it's the editing as well. I'm probably not giving that enough credit, but of his efficiency and ability to just move this. St- I, I, I thought this was like a almost a three hour movie. In my head, as a kid, it's super long. It's probably because I'm used to seeing it with commercial breaks. But um, <laughs> the way that Spielberg can move the plot along without really disrupting the flow of the story, it's like the the exposition for when Marion's bar burns down and they become partners and they go to Egypt. Uh, yeah, yeah, Egypt. Uh, or, yeah, 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 it's Cairo. And. Uh, he, he manages to give exposition to get them there and, and move the scene within like 20 seconds. And it's not, and it's, it's easy and you don't need a bunch of back and forth between the characters. You don't need dialogue written to actually move it. They just show it to you and then you're there and you're like, okay, I buy it. Moving on. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to yeah. dwell on this. And it's, and it's, it's just really well done. I think his movie knows exactly what it is. Like it's an adventure movie. We just need now to get to a new fun location and fun like things like we don't. There are moments where you, you take the time to dwell on like the headpiece um, and it, to give some story of that. But that's like a build up to finding this. It's a search. It's like following the lost treasure map kind of thing. A search of adventure. Not we don't need any logistics of <laughs> No, how, you know uh, how people are doing stuff because that's just like it's it's more fun where it, you just fill in the blanks of like oh these people are like so such capable adventurers like they can just get from Nepal to Cairo like without any like questions or issues. Well, and, and I yeah, and that's that's why I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you have somebody like Spielberg making this. It's funny I think he sets up a lot of tropes how an action movie should move and, and feel that very few people have ever been able to like really successfully match or recreate that that same that yeah, same energy that, that's probably also I was my favorite because this kind of sets up what everyone's as much as like people are chasing like the Jaws Star Wars like summer blockbuster I feel the Indiana Jones like action adventure with a little bit of humor mixed in is kind of what everyone's chasing the next like 40 years. Of, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Of, like we're trying to cre- capture that formula. And um, I'm not sure anybody ever quite gets there. I mean, if, you know, and that's not saying that there's not been better or good movies in the last 40 years, but there's something really special about this that, that they, you kind of, I, it kind of feels like they really loved the character and loved what they were making. And, this is an era to me for for Spielberg where I really he seems to tap into something that really resonates with younger audiences and but but you know can be enjoyable by older audiences too and it's 
something he kind of loses to me later in his career. But but here it's it feels like it's on full display. Yeah, and I, that's what you have him almost. I don't want to say operating at like the peak of his powers because I do think he like continues to grow as a filmmaker and stuff. But he's done enough where like he kind of knows all the tricks and like can do it. And so what impresses me about this is he like kind of took this on and was doing it a little bit to reestablish himself and prove to Hollywood that he could go film a movie like on budget and on schedule. And so they <laughs> shoot this pretty quick. And just because like almost everything he does, yeah, he had some huge hits, but went over budget over schedule and he's coming off 1941, which is big flop, kind of seen as a flop, and yeah. that he is. He's kind of there's some like rumblings of like he's not the Spielberg we think of, where like you think he just can walk in and get anything made. Of it's like oh, like, you kind of get to watch this guy, like especially because this is coming out of like the late 70s, where like you have like uh, what like. So like Heaven's Gate and stuff and like things that are like notorious over budget flops <laughs> where I, they're a little like, oh, some of these like directors, like if you just let them run and do whatever they like, it can be a complete disaster. And so this is kind of him like, no, I can be a studio filmmaker who like, I don't want to say like toes the line, but like who gets it, who can deliver. Who can, can come in and pitch something and deliver what I said I'm going to deliver. Um, that's why this is such a massive moment in his career because he does that, shoots it on time, on schedule, efficient, but delivers a massive hit. And it's like, okay, like, this is the guy. Like, you just give him, give him anything he wants and <laughs> give him some room and let him, let him cook. Um, but, good. But no, I was like, that's a, is amazing to me how quickly they're shooting so much of this um, and just how fresh and original and how many like little moments are in it. And obviously that's a, a testament to um, Spielberg. And also I know the, um, you know, pre-production process where he, Lucas are working with screenwriters and stuff and really storyboarding and mapping things out and getting there, getting everything set to go shoot it that way. Um, but that's like the immense talent to be able to, uh, to do that is is mind-boggling to me. Well, yeah, it's that's what's funny is I look at my notes and I'm just, <laughs> everything I have is like great, love it, this is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. nothing bad to to say. And I, I think uh, again, you're you're getting you're getting Spielberg at a really really good time in his career. And, uh, and I, I don't mean it's a criticism when I say this, but again, as he got older and he moved more into historical pieces or serious more serious topics it just he makes very high quality stuff but it does he does lose some of the fun i think that this era of, of movies he was making had a lot of this um i mean this is from an era where you said he did 1941 he's done uh he's doing indie based in the 30s and the early 40s uh you know he's he's doing stuff that's based around probably his childhood and, and things that resonated with him when he was a kid so this is probably making indie may have been like a nostalgia piece of sorts for for spielberg in some ways <laughs> um i don't know i i i just i feel lucky i don't i can't think of a, a modern equivalent of something like this where the quality and the writing the quality behind the camera the quality in front of the camera all come together like this and you just have something that uh it is really well made and can cross 
different age groups and generations and, and still resonate and just be a, a fun movie. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's just uh well that was kind of the problem with like Dial of Destiny coming out. It's like, well, yeah. You got part of those things. You've got pieces well, of it. It's just it's not if you're gonna go to it hoping to see Raiders of the Lost Ark, like then you're gonna be disappointed. Like it just wasn't nothing is Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's like kind of the point of why this character has become enduring and iconic that like Raiders of the Lost Ark is like an all time great movie. And like that's just not you're just not gonna to expect that that's like a once in a I mean, I don't know, borderline like once in a lifetime kind of movie to come out. Um, but certainly like once in a generation kind of movie. It's like you just not like it's just it's just never like nothing. You can't if you went to every movie hoping it'd be that good. You'd stop going to the movies because you'd just be disappointed all the time. Uh, yeah, you would have not gone to the movies for the last probably you know twenty years. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Well. So tell tell me your thoughts on this opening scene because it is pretty iconic. Uh, <laughs> we've not we've not gotten very far into this, but no. <laughs> the whole the whole boulder thing. Also, you know, let me say it. Sorry, I forgot. The other reason this was so in the zeitgeist for me was uh, I watched as a kid uh, Muppet Babies on Nickelodeon. <laughs> and I, I'm saying that to make a oh, point of um, I believe it was a Lucas Arts or George Lucas produced uh, show. And they always use Star Wars and Indiana Jones uh, clips or, and or like vignettes into in that show. And so even as a kid, I was seeing like uh tie fighters and darth vader being spliced into like kid stuff and it's i know it sounds super weird to talk about that but like it, that was another area where I, I got a lot of exposure to this because uh these guys are doing other other kind of interesting creative stuff with kids and so i think whether they intended to or not they kind of baked it into <laughs> they baked it into an entire generation of kids um um through other 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 vehicles I have a hard time with the opening evaluating it because I can't not see it through like the eyes of a 10 year old where especially once he gets into like, I think everything leading up to going into the, I guess the tomb or whatever temple, whatever it is. I think that is just like fantastic. It's shot beautifully, but that's a lot of that is like credits like playing over. Um, But then the introduction of him where the, Guy pulls out a gun and he whips it away from him and you see his face for the first time. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's like Harrison Ford. <laughs> uh, obviously, that helps a long way that it's Harrison Ford. Like you couldn't just have anybody <laughs> that you reveal <laughs> that way. Stepping out of shadows with the hat on. Um, but when they get into like the temple, it's kind of a 10 year old. When you go out like and play in your backyard or like they're like woods behind my house, like that's what your imagination is like dreaming of like going into of like and like you wouldn't want it to actually be that dangerous, but that like feel of like fun and adventure and danger. Um where there's like big gross bugs and a pit you have to swing across and then like booby traps that shoot stuff out. And then like to get out of it, like I like, I can't imagine like how many kids have like um like replayed this either with themselves like jumping over couches or things or 
with action figures because then like oh then you're chased out of the end and have to um get through all those booby traps but really fast now um and it's just so watching it most recently um i was kind of like i don't know what i would think if i saw this as an adult with like this giant boulder coming down and like are, do you start thinking about well what's the logic behind this what if like and how did these people get this giant boulder up here? And they designed everything for this to roll out. And then, like, where is this going afterwards? And do they have to do they reset this at the end when they get back? Um, or like, why why would they put this little statue thing here with this elaborate trap to kill someone who gets it? Uh, it's I, but like as a kid, like you just don't ever think about that, and that's not the way you should watch the movie. But I'm always curious, like, oh, if I saw this for the first time at 40, like, what would I think about it? Probably wouldn't enjoy it as much, to your point. But I, I, it's it's funny because when they, I watched Crystal Skull when I was, oh, God, uh, in my 20s. And um, they do some of those same tropes, <clears throat> except it really doesn't work there because they have people instead of like they're like. Okay, the MacGuffin is they have people in the wall who are just living in the wall. I'm like, all right, I, I have a hard time believing that. I can buy and I, I I can mentally bridge all these interesting booby traps. Even if they don't all fully make sense, at least you you can kind of get there. Um, but yeah, I think even when Spielberg tries that trick again, he doesn't quite he doesn't quite stick the landing on it. Well, I think it's I think it's like as a kid, you just believe the trope that are throughout the world are these like temples and tombs yeah. with booby traps. And like it's like, like, what a like what a bizarre thing to do <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but it works it's fine you're, you're right like, it's like, the like kids, if i talk the... to you and like, you're like uh grandma died okay well i'm gonna be a little busy setting up like the mausoleum with the with like the trap doors and like swinging logs to kill people who come look at her tomb i uh, like, i think they had more time on their hands in the ancient world to worry yeah, about true, that true, stuff true. <laughs> so i think it Oh, um, I guess it'd be more accurate if like the president died. Um and it was like, all right, we brought in like, like the expert like trap building architect to, to construct the president's tomb so that future generations can possibly die trying to like investigate this. What show is it? Was it Futurama where it's the the corpse of um oh god, one of the presidents gets reanimated and it has a shotgun and like comes out of his tomb? I don't know. It sounds like Futurama. It's <laughs> like a robotic, like, like uh, Gerald Ford or something. It wasn't yeah, like Gerald yeah, Ford. Yeah, it was, it was to, like, um... I know what you're talking about. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think <clears throat> that same thought process is, is good with uh, the opening scene where we, we get introduced to Belloc, who's somehow he can speak the language of this ancient culture that, that, that built the temple and the, these uh, natives that he's won over. I really like the the part where one they introduce Belloc is seeming to always be one step ahead of Indy, and so it's a good setup for for the two of them later on. And uh, uh, it obviously turns out that Belloc's selfishness is what will be his undoing, and Indy's 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 intellect is what will save him at the end of the movie. But I I always thought it was so cool the the part where Belloc is trying to order them to kill Indy or chase him and kill him, and he just goes. It makes yeah. a hand gesture, and then all of them go after and start trying to kill Indy. And I just think it's, I it's just everything, every choice they made in here in this, it's just like, yep, perfect. It was such a fun, interesting 
simple choice, but it, it's it just works and, and it's yeah moves it's everything an incredible forward. job of establishing the villain. And he has watching it this time. I was really thinking through the when Belloc's talking to Indy and Cairo, and he's basically giving like the "we're not so different, you and me" speech. Um, <laughs> you, I and, am a shadowy reflection of you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's not wrong. Like, and like actually, from his perspective, like I can kind of see like Indy's basically doing the same thing he was trying to do at the beginning. He like goes in and gets the idol and is going to take it somewhere more or less. He's going to sell it to a museum. Yeah. Right. It's, in, that, instead that, of selling it to like a private collector or something, like he's going to sell it to museums so people can like see it. But I, especially like through eye, the eyes of like a, a 2023, it's like stealing another culture's like artifacts and history and like stuff. It's really not that different. But you can see like there are subtle shades where um, like Belloc's willing to kill. And like Indy would kill, but only in like defense. Yeah. Stuff. But like if Bella goes and like works for the Nazis, but that's just like a tool. It's means to an end for, for Bella. Yeah. But Indy would not go work for the Nazis, even if that would help him in his goal. Um, or so, so, but like, um, there are little shades, but it so establishes like Belloc as evil and bad, and like, which kind of makes Indy good just as a foil. Um, that yeah, it's, it's so effective. This was the first time watching it. I feel like that I I actually <clears throat> it actually resonated that I'm like, oh yeah, they are they kind of the same person, and they, and they are they are they are earning their money the same way. It's just a matter of where are they earning it, and, to, and that's kind of what separates the the moral high ground for for Indy versus Belloc. But I, I yeah, I, I really like Belloc. I, I it's funny that you don't get another version of him in other movies and i think he he's a more interesting bad guy in this than than just nazis because you just know nazis are gonna be bad <laughs> that's an easy one yeah it's underrated people will talk about indiana jones and like some of like the the non ones without nazis of um like oh like it's so much better when indy's fighting nazis because it, it's just so easy to like root against them and like root for indy and like but like actually belloc's pretty important in this too to give some shades of gray to the movie and to the to both characters um because it adds a little complexity to Indy as well that you're seeing um kind of foil of him and not well, just fighting pure evil and that's why well, I, I think as a kid that's <clears throat> that's how i saw it was he it's just he's fighting bad guys <laughs> like there's no real the, yeah. the, the MacGuffin of the the arc itself isn't so important but you just know it's something he has to go get it, it's something dangerous like in my head as a kid i'm like it's just something dangerous and so i'm on board with he's stopping he's just stopping bad guys but no you're right at the end of it like the the scene they show uh right after the, the opening with with marcus I mean, marcus is basically just funding him to go do this crazy <laughs> shit so he can buy mm -hmm. uh cult ancient cultural stuff off of indy so you're right <laughs> it, it, it is they're not they're not different at all and it's also like i, I don't i don't want to say like morality of like i mean because i'm sure there are people at the time who were aware of these things and that but um i i do think in like the 1930s that was certainly viewed as a little more acceptable of a thing yeah. um <clears throat> and, well and this probably more i want to say more 
God, I can't think of the right words here, but accurate to the time period, I would say. I'm not, not instead of making excuses, like that's probably how culturally, how the, the West, that's how, that's how people, Western viewed, civilization yeah. viewed other culture. That's like, oh, like, these things are ours to take if we want. And, yeah, and, and, I, yeah. I think that's, that's largely accurate. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I agree. Um, well, it's interesting, uh, and I, I wanted to play this game with you because I, I have a I have a theory. I've not looked this up, but this takes us to Indy uh, and the intel- military intelligence officers. Uh, one of these guys had to have been on Star Trek: The Next Generation at some point, right? Or like one of those guys, <laughs> right? Had to. I just feel like they had to have been. Um, ugh. you know, I don't know. Nothing okay. jumped out at me, and like so, this is kind of eight years before Star Trek: The Next Generation. So, so I'm sure someone was, but <laughs> anyway, well, uh, it's I'm, not. I'm, I'll keep going. We do yeah. like the late '80s movies. Um, it gets easier, yeah, because it's just like like Star or Star Trek: The Next Generation when you're doing like what like 24, 26 episodes a season and have like guest stars every episode. Like you just like churn through <laughs> like actors so much. Um. Yeah. Fair. I. Well. I. I should have. I should have. Uh. Taken myself down a path. But I do like the. Uh. The sort of silly. I was. I would call them silly. Uh. Military intelligence guys. Just because. They. They come in. They give a lot of exp. I mean. Again. This is Spielberg at his best. He's giving a a lot of good. He's basically telling you the entire plot of the, you know with the Ten Commandments being inside the Ark of the Covenant, and. Uh, um. The Nazis are after it because they think it's unlimited power, and and that uh, there's this understanding that the Nazis are using. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna get his name wrong. It's Doctor Ravenwood. Um, yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what his first name is, but uh, Abner. Abner, yeah, Abner Ravenwood, who also happened to have been Indy's mentor. Also, Indy has dated his daughter at one point. <laughs> it's been and it's been ten years, and and so. Uh, Indy kind of says, you know, Abner was no Nazi and he's not, there's no way Abner's working for the, for the third Reich. And, you know, it really, it's like in a, like less than five minutes, uh, they managed to set up all of the plot and, and then follow it through in a way that you don't feel like you're cheated or, you know, they waste a bunch of time getting it. That's why I just, this movie, man, I just, I'm, I'm blown away by how fast they can move everything and it all holds together. And it's not like, you're leaving behind these huge gaping holes. They have to come back and address later on. It's just, it's so, so efficiently made and and efficient usually can be kind of a bad thing with movies because, you know, might be a little soulless or, or, or plotting, but here they just. No, you don't don't feel it rushing. They're just giving you exactly the amount you need for each scene and then moving to the next one and not, yeah, they don't need to linger. Uh, which I, yeah i love that um there's this kind of genre or even like a bond movie there's these like obligatory like exposition scenes where they kind of just have to dump the yeah. story on you for a little for a time um and this is like so so effectively where like the two government agents come and it's basically they're doing like a job interview and so it all makes sense that one they don't know that much about this so they're having to ask questions of who they experts. heard an expert about yeah. it 
and so it all it makes sense that our experts are laying all this out. Um, but then they also kind of know like the stuff about oh the Nazis are looking for this, and so they like, we're giving they're giving information back as well the government agents. Um, and then it, but also is great like character establishment for Indy where we've seen him out in the field, but now we saw him a little bit in the classroom, but now we kind of really get to see him display his intellect and knowledge of stuff um and i i love they do this in uh last crusade too where he's talking about like oh like you really want my father and this one he just kind of does oh like you really want like abner like he's yeah. really the expert like I, and it's like a humbling moment or like a character being humble that makes you I, it makes me at least kind of like appreciate and connect to the character a little more of he's not like a blowhard of i'm the man for the job like i'll get this done um He's almost a reluctant hero, but not not fully a reluctant hero. Um, but is not like overly cocky. Well, and that's he he stays likable, and I I like the idea that in in this world he's not he's not the end all be all hero for everything. Like he's not just this encyclopedia of of knowledge. I mean, he, it's like he knows enough to be dangerous, and that's kind of where he where he plays most of the movie. And I think that's 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 a fun thing. And I was thinking that scene not to be, we can't underestimate how great the John Williams arc theme is. Yes. That plays underneath that is so like mysterious. And yeah, it's just like perfect of giving like a sense of like wonder and mystery to the scene as like they're laying out what the arc is. Um, well, and I, 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 I'll, I'll take it back to Bond a little bit too. I'm going, I'm going backwards a little bit here, but uh, I like the, the, uh, reluctant um, hero idea, or, or like he doesn't know everything because if you go back to Bond, it drives me. If you as an adult when you go back and watch some of the Roger Moore ones, whenever they're dumping exposition and it's usually in M's office. <laughs> they're asking Bond something. He's like, he's just an expert on uh, yeah. etymology <laughs> of a of a butterfly. That are, or yeah. I'm like, and it's not like this guy's an archaeologist. It makes sense yeah. he would know this stuff. But yeah, it's like Bond, yeah, you like, know, all about Christ, like gold or all about yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's an expert on Fabergé eggs and uh, in yeah. octopus. He's like, yeah. really? Like that's it just seems a little silly. Like, yeah. like what is he doing in his spare time that he knows all this shit? Uh, oh, so. it's funny. In some of the books, they kind of reference that a little bit and explain it in the Bond books, where like. He spends a lot of time like when he's in the office, he spends a lot of time like reading just like a ton of like current events, but then there's like a current like a ton of like random stuff of like, <laughs> oh, you kind of need to be an expert on everything. <laughs> like I I kind I kinda can get like at, at a broad level, but but in this it feels like or well in a lot of those movies yeah, it feels right. like he just knows everything. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, all right, let's let's take it easy, guys. <laughs> um but yeah i uh i I agree with you with uh going back to the score i think the score and again having will this this movie just has so much good talent on every level of of the movie that it's just it's hard to it's to me it doesn't really make any missteps other than maybe just the plausibility of the story yeah it's like perfect everything around is i mean i guess i will there's a couple of things that you kind of glaze it over because everything else is perfect, but we can we talk about those when we get to them. At least for me. <laughs> um, um, 
Well, yeah, I, I love the him and Brody and uh, as how that the, the capper to it. Uh, and he's like, Mar- he's like Marcus, and I he's like, I don't believe in like ghost stories. He's like, besides, you know what a cautious fellow I am. And he throws the, like the revolver into his suitcase. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, this is random. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm taking us off base. But one of those military guys I was trying to see if he was in Star Trek. Uh, just for the principle of it, I forgot he played Eckhart in Batman. <laughs> so, um, um, I don't know why that made me laugh, but I was just like, "Of course he did!" Like, what? Why would I have not known that? But so what? What I found out doing the same thing. So the, um, the guy who who in the opening who pulls the gun on him that he whips. Yeah, the actor's name is Vic Tablian. Yeah. He uh he also plays in this movie the, the one Middle I... Eastern guy who's has the monkey. Yeah, I saw that too. Uh, that's this is I have never known that. Literally the first time. <laughs> well, speaking of guys, guys named Vic associated with this is Vic Armstrong the stunt coordinator and and indie stunt double for this too. Uh he is. I believe I stunt coordinator. I believe because I believe he had some issues with a guy who. Had, I'm trying to think it. I was reading, but then I also got into some other stuff. I believe this is the one where like he kind of had to lay down the loads. Like, okay, this guy who thinks he's like should be the stunt coordinator and it is kind of becoming hard. And like they ended up like kind of kicking that guy off the production. Um, but yeah, and I guess at this point of time, I think this was the first time he doubled Harrison Ford. Uh, okay, and just I, I think they hit it right than that. He looks so much like Harrison Ford that like people on set. Like Spielberg did it. One of like Ford's kids did it. Like they'd come up to him and they'd be like, like Harrison or like Harrison Ford's kid come up and just like grabbed his hand thinking it was his dad and then like flipped out when he saw it. like it wasn't. But I think they, they look so much alike at this time. And that's why I think he does a number of things with Ford going forward. Cause like, oh, like we can, this really gives us some leeway to shoot that like they look identical, especially once you put the costume on them. That's cool. I, uh, I, um, I I I can't really tell when it's not Ford outside of maybe that no. one. I mean, scene. Ford does a lot of his own stunts too, so yeah. that's part of it. Um, I think the only one that was really obvious to me was when the the plane's exploding at the end, and then uh, you, you you see Marion and Indy running in front of it. And it's very clear there's Ford yeah. and uh, Karen Allen. But besides that, I mean, I feel like it. They they do a good job uh, keeping it hidden. Or, or yeah. to the point that uh, 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 Ford is doing his own stunts. Or that's enough to, yeah. But um, do that. I, yeah, I what, what we're kind of getting to. And I don't think we have to go scene by scene. Uh, but I, it was funny. <laughs> just we it's are hard not back. to though because every scene is like so good. <laughs> well, and I, what I was going to say was I, I watched this on streaming um, through. I can't remember if it was Paramount or if it was on Disney Plus. Whenever I watched it, um, I think it was on Paramount. And uh, um, what blew me away on on watching it on a bigger screen because it's been—I feel like it's been a while since I've. Well, I shit. Carter and I went to go see it in theaters, but <laughs> um, it's hard. It's hard to kind of digest everything sometimes. And uh, one thing that has has gotten resonated with me in, in rewatching it recently was just how good this looks. Um, all yeah. of the scenes Jeez. just look they're beautifully lit the colors are so rich in this movie 
the opening in the jungle to me was another one where you just get a really good appreciation for how they're using light and, and the color profiles all the way through the, the movie that it's just so everything just feels so I know it's gonna sound cliche it just feels so rich and so so full whenever you watch it and I I just I it's one of the things I've I've come to really appreciate this is Spielberg's aesthetic uh mixed with the film stock and the film uh or camera lenses they were using at the time there's just something to me about the the way this movie looks that I just wish they still did today um obviously yeah, there's no CGI I, but yeah, yeah. like I mean credit to Doug Slocum uh the cinematographer of you're right. Like I think this is what I want movies to look like. Yeah, like how this looks, and so even like going to like a new movie or something, or especially an adventure movie kind of thing. Of like, if you don't look like this, like you're already starting behind. Like you're already behind. Like you, you got to make <laughs> up for stuff in my brain. Like, like, but if you start out looking like this, I'm like like eighty percent on board to be your you have a great movie <laughs> like, it's like you, you don't have much more work to do to get me there yeah it makes me want to go back and watch some of slocum's other stuff i've seen for the amount of work he's done i've only seen a few of them but the big ones being all three of the first the first three indie movies uh and i think we talked yeah. about him on raiders as well but he did the original italian job and then um around the same time he did never say never again <laughs> which, not, which I, not. I would say does not look quite as good as this but that's maybe no, it, it, and Spielberg and yeah I, I think that's I would put more of that at the feet of the budget probably for what that movie was compared to because that was the um, Kevin McClory yeah, remake, uh, remake of Thunderball but um, but yeah no, I, I, uh, I just the, the aesthetic of this movie all the way through damn he lived to be 103 sorry um, uh it's just something that's always stuck out to me is is you're right this is what i want a movie to look like i want this color palette i want i want the anamorphic flare i want the the um interesting lighting i, I don't know it's just every every the, all of the visuals in this just still hold up to me and even even 40 years on it just it still looks fantastic yeah well, and to him like at this point in time he's been around for decades shooting movies and it's like what like what an advantage to have when you're going out trying to shoot fast to um to just have a just have a pro who's with you um who can I, just yeah who, who can go do this who knows what they're doing that I uh, I love it I it's it's one of my favorite as an adult now it's one of my favorite things about the movie uh just how crisp and wonderful the world looks um the way they, they they've shot everything in this so um actually <laughs> well uh, i'm now i'm gonna be going backwards i'm not gonna talk about it never mind <laughs> um uh i was just gonna say we should, we never talked about we both discussed the uh, the alfred molina uh what if he's bringing oh, his, yeah. his boogie nights energy <laughs> <laughs> real coke energy from from molina in the, in the, that, in the you, cave but I know when you were 10, you're like, man, something about this character. I think he could be doing more. Rubbing his nose. I don't understand. <laughs> um, sorry. All right. I'll, I'll, take, I'll get off my tangent. Um, uh, I do like the the way they set up Marion to be her own character in this. And, oh, my God. It's such an incredible I, introduction. And actually have presence. Um, she, she doesn't get a lot to do in the second half of the movie, but it's also because she's mostly been captured. She's surrounded by a bunch of Nazi goons, so you 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 get it. 
Um, but I, I enjoy her rebuffing Indy. And you kind of get the sense that Indy has this idea he's going to come back into her life and 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 swoon her and and she's going to just do whatever whatever he wants and she shuts him down pretty quick and then actually yeah. sends him away uh, so she can basically that, she establishes control in the yeah. relationship pretty quick and pretty pretty strong <laughs> and I like that I like that she's a a stronger character and I think um, it's sort of the antithesis of what they let Willie be in uh, <laughs> yeah. Temple of Doom. It's not Kate Capshaw's <laughs> fault. It's just the way the character's written, it, which is interesting when you when you think about yeah. what you get in this. Well, because they, I mean, obviously they write her as like her dad was kind of Indy's mentor. So they, she's kind of been dragged around the world on this stuff. So she kind of has some ability to do this adventure stuff. And then you introduce her and she's in like owns a bar like in Nepal, but it's like drinking like mountain climbers under the table. Um, and it's like, so the intro, it's, I don't know, it's so cool that especially for 81 they introduce her as just like a badass and she's she's strong too like I, what i liked about the drinking scene was they set her up for how she gets out of the whole the whole thing with belloc or not how she gets out yeah. of it but what, what she was going to do which was she was going to drink belloc under the table and then basically escape in the middle of the night um uh, from the, the nazi uh dig site um, later on so yeah i, I you know, it's interesting her character's primary skill drinking <laughs> yeah that's kind of dark I, I, handling booze I, there was a reddit thing i saw I, I i i'm not on it but i i, I looked in the indiana jones subreddit and there was a post about how in dial of destiny was indiana jones's alcoholism a result of Marion having a drinking problem, which they show in this movie. I'm like, who fucking cares? Like, shut the fuck up. Although it, it, like, it, but it, it does beg the question of like, when they're not together and you, and like, especially cause at the end of this, like, like almost like the final line of the movie is her, like, buy me a drink. drink. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, I bet you want one. <laughs> in a few hours there. Like, just cause Uh-oh. they establish her, like the two most like primary scenes of her without Indy. She's drinking. just like drinking heavily. Yeah, that's good. I didn't think of it like that, but um, you think she's getting the shakes when she, while she's waiting on India to have this debrief with the military? I don't know. Like, being able to drink that like, shot after shot like that, it's you know, concerning behavior in the real world. I hadn't thought of it like that, but maybe yeah, maybe she's not portrayed that well. When you think about it, she's portrayed to have um. Uh, been emotionally damaged by Indy and her dad, and she's got a drinking problem. <laughs> That's what but they show you. If you want to spin it though, of they wanted to do Bond, couldn't do Bond, and so did Indy. They kind of take that characteristic of Bond and give it to her. That's true. And so when you spin, and obviously people make a lot of jokes about like I'm sure like Bond has liver disease and like stuff yeah. and all that, but like um, it is a trope of the this kind of genre of the character being able um and like normally it's maybe more sophisticated than they portray but like that ability to drink and not be affected by it is definitely a trope of the genre for for a hero yeah yeah i um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't so, the more i think about it i feel like i should retract whatever i just said about like so oh, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of odd but it's almost like in the, within the genre especially at this time like almost a heroic quality to have certainly a little bit i mean it, even even up through the bras in the era of bond they were still making jokes about it, like it's a funny well even 
even in the Craig era, actually, I think they're making jokes about it. But um, no, yeah. you're right. Like it's uh, it's funny that um, I, I I like that she has agency in this, and she's not waiting for somebody to come save her. In most cases, like she actually will fight, and she's drinking drinking aside, she's you know trying to do she things a, to get herself yeah, out of her situation. Has a plan. Yeah. Instead, it's not. Yeah. Um, I yeah. um yeah. I did enjoy the uh so I want to talk about because you you had something that contradicted this, but the the whole scene when they're in uh uh Cairo and Marion gets abducted by the Nazis and um Indy has to fight his way through town. There's always been this story, I think, that that Ford had well famously he he he's about to have this big showdown with a uh, yeah. a guy wielding a sword who does all these crazy sword tricks, and then Indy just looks at him, he looks tired and just pulls out a pistol, shoots the guy dead. Um, the story I'd always heard was Ford had, I think, dysentery or food poisoning or something. Yeah, it was so a he, sick from all the, yeah. He basically been shitting his brains out for like a couple of days at that <laughs> point. And, and, and they were, you know, the shooting schedule, I think, was slowed down because of that. So he he just didn't want to do it and apparently told Spielberg, like, hey, can I just shoot this guy in this scene instead of instead of this big elaborate fight? And then... Uh, because he, he he was just exhausted and dehydrated and didn't, didn't feel up to it. Um, you said you'd heard a different. Well, a so different that's the version story. I've that's the version I've always heard. Is that what you what you just told? Um, in the Vic Armstrong book, he writes so like this kind of stunt unit or what like people who were going to film that do this were like off working for like three or four days, like getting ready for the to shoot this scene where he has fights the guy with the big giant sword. And when it came time to go sh- shoot it, Spielberg said, "Okay, I have to like we have, we need to like do this scene, but like I have to leave at three to catch a flight." And they're like, <laughs> "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like this is gonna take like multiple days to shoot." Uh, he's like, "Well, I won't. Like I'm only here till three. That's all. That's all you get." And one of like jokingly, like one of like the stunt people was like, "Well, what if he just shoots him?" And then they kind of <laughs> were like, "Well, maybe we'll do that." And then, but. So I was wondering if it was kind of like you split the middle. If Ford kind of told Spielberg, like, man, I'm not up, like I'm not up for this. <laughs> like I am really yeah. sick. And if Spielberg kind of interviewed it was when it was like, okay, well, we only have this much time because he knew like he didn't want to say Harrison can only do so much and put yeah. it on him. He would take it took it on himself of oh, like you have a limit because of me. As a you know, a good leader, director, manager yeah. kind of person would do, especially when it's their star. Um, so that's what I was I was wondering if that was kind of the kind of the middle ground of that story of Spielberg kind of taking the hit uh for a sick Ford. Uh, but that's a speculation. Um I could see him being a good like a magnanimous enough guy to, to do that. But I, well, I, I your director I, I like for this, decades uh, and decades, you probably have yeah pretty smart have a good leadership skill set to... yeah I, I i like i like the i like the idea of ford just being it seems on brand for ford for him to just be like tired i don't want to do this shit <laughs> yeah. i'm just like i'm just gonna shoot this guy and we're gonna move on no it's the one of like, the most iconic moments and then they pay it off in like uh temple of doom where he doesn't have the pistol do they yeah, when they escape, there's like a thing that happens like out on like a mountain thing, and this guy comes up with like a big sword, 
big sword and he like goes to grab the pistol and it's not there and he has to just like run off <laughs> oh that's it does right. like the that's harrison right. ford like kind of smirk smile like <laughs> yeah that's right i forgot about that i well to your, to your point like i, I it's well done it's well done here whatever the, the reason for it but i i i'd never heard there was another story another another narrative but yeah it's out of it but yeah, i've always I, heard the ford was sick version which i think is funny i like that i, I yeah. again i like that side of of uh ford just saying fuck this i'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um but i was gonna go back to like the marion bar so yeah talking about like marion being a strong character in that scene she's actually the one who saves indy you're right you're right he's on the floor the guy's um pointing a gun at him and you hear the gunshot and indy jumps like expecting to be shot and then the guy falls down and like beautiful staging. The guy falls um, and it's Marion right behind him with a gun having saved Indy, which is, um, yeah, a great introduction of a character who, especially as you talk about in the second movie, she get the second half, she gets sidelined a bit of being captured so much yeah, that you, you really establish her as a credible um, partner. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think all, all all the stuff she's doing for the first half is is good, and I I didn't appreciate the weight of it when Indy thinks she's dead, uh, uh, because I, I as a kid, what I what, what what was missed on me was when Indy is drinking, he just seemed like as a kid I'm like okay he's sad. What I didn't realize in, until I kind of went back and watched this, especially with Carter recently, was that whole scene he's he's on the edge like he's he's pretty ready to just let go and yeah (laughs) Yeah. die and if 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 that or that's what happens and i didn't realize how much danger he actually was was in in that bar with uh with when belloc brings him in and he's sort of surrounded and i missed it as a kid but you see that gun being passed around in the background yeah and they're like oh okay all right indy's indy's actually in some real danger but he doesn't care because he just he he lost marion and He's... And uh, for some reason, Salah has an odd amount of confidence that Nazis aren't going to kill children. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that would be proved uh, to be wrong uh, later. Um, but yeah, it's... I, I mean, I know the, the timing of this. You you wouldn't have known quite the atrocities <laughs> of not yet, yet. But, not yet. Uh, it's coming. It's like, oh, man, I don't. Yeah. Wouldn't I, send my kids in. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I would not send my kids into the middle of a uh, a standoff to basically <laughs> to use the whole thing. It works. <laughs> yeah. But it. I liked the interaction with Belloc and, and Indy a lot because again, you you get more of the this they're the same and and you can see it a little a little more and you can see how um on the edge Indy is because of what happened to Marion and that that yeah, it just it just Ford is I think Ford gets written off sometimes maybe he's just being kind of an action movie guy and i i just feel like he adds so many interesting layers with his choices and, and how he's playing the character all the way through this that it, it, it just he, he delivers a lot without having to you know it to be very over the top and, and, and real big I, it's weird i think he gets dismissed as an actor at times because he has such like natural charisma on screen yeah and so he almost doesn't get credit because I think people are like, oh, like you were just born that way. That you were just born as Harrison Ford. So, like, you can do, like, 
you were like halfway there already or like 80 percent of the way there and like I, I don't actually think that's true i think he's making choices to be charismatic to be that he knows will play as charismatic because uh, there are times especially as Indy in han solo where like you can see he's like in over his head and doesn't know what he's, and he doesn't doesn't quite play as charismatic it's still charming to see that character do but i think he realizes like oh i this level is like charmingly befuddled and this level is like confidently <laughs> charismatic and like I, like he calibrates that um, yeah he does well he um, does. and i think yeah it's underrated how um how good he is uh yeah i, 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 I think some of it's being a kid and just like taken for granted it's like <laughs> Oh, it's Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Like, it's funny though because I don't ever those two characters in my head don't overlap for me, even though it's played by the same. I know guy. it is wild, and I, they should in theory yeah. they should, but they never whatever reason. And they, all of Ford's characters just feel unique to those characters that I don't. Yeah, like Schwarzenegger and Stallone are to me like. They they all there there's a piece of them in everything they're doing like like in every movie Schwarzenegger's in there's always like a scene where you have to explain like oh he's like or John Rambo like yeah he comes from German and Native American heritage and it's like okay and like yeah you're you're just always spending time having to explain the character or why the crazy looking person is is this character like why why a large german or austrian guy is is uh, an all-american sheriff or something like that and here i at ford for whatever reason he can bounce between these roles to me and it doesn't it it, it feels very seamless and uh he doesn't feel it's weird to think about like when i watch dr richard kimball i don't feel like i'm looking at han solo or indiana jones or you know any of that stuff it's just something interesting about ford he, he can transcend a lot of those a lot of the, the the problems I would say that that some of his peers brought uh, in the roles they played. Yeah, I would always think of it as Ford. For the most part, feels like he's always still an actor first and a movie star second. Yeah, Schwarzenegger, I think, is always a movie star first. Everything he does is in service of being a movie star and an actor <laughs> yeah. second. And I think Stallone, somewhere in the middle, goes both ways. Yeah. Um, oh, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he is an actor and is doing, um, like it's say I don't know, even something like Nighthawks. I'd say he's more being an actor in Nighthawks. Than yeah, he is in um the Rocky movies. Maybe he's being more in, in some stuff, especially you get to like Rocky Four or something where yeah. like he's being a movie star yeah. in this, and like, and that's impressive for him that he he bounces back and forth between them based on what he's doing and that. But I think Ford is always more on. Well, I'm an actor, and that's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm doing here, um, as yeah, opposed I, to just um, just being the movie star this time. Well, and I, speaking of uh, of that, I mean, I, the, there was always this story too that Ford wasn't supposed to be the guy initially. I think it was Tom Selleck was up, but then he got Magnum PI, or that was still filming or something, and and that that pulled him off the project. I just I can't see anybody else i know like especially lucas i think because of being han solo i think they weren't considering ford initially because he's like well i don't want to like i don't want to be just like i'd use like that guy like or like 
kind of get into that mode um <laughs> and i think just like time of where it's like um yeah whereas like well like i don't know maybe we should probably just use harrison ford <laughs> like well i i just i can't see anybody else in the role it, it's yeah it, i think they were time. kind of struggling a little bit and they're like well what about harrison <laughs> and like and, and they, they did and like, yeah i guess he's perfect like <laughs> <laughs> i just don't think tom Selleck would have ever um i can't imagine the it of, the weight of the role i'd love to see that like alternate universe see that version of raiders and see how it works but like i don't think they're making one in 2023 with tom Selleck. no no um like i don't i don't think there's a young indiana jones show in the early 90s if it's tom Selleck. Like, i don't think it's i'm not sure Tim a decade Doom generational gets, gets made yeah that's hard because like this the movie's so good well, if you had all the same talent around it, barring Ford, I, I, right. I still don't know if it. If you it can still see it being together. like a franchise, but it's hard to imagine it being. I don't know, Ford is just so Indiana Jones. Yeah, it'd be yeah. so different. So it's hard. It's hard quite to. And it also makes you wonder if like certain scenes would be completely different because Selleck just would have a different skill set and bring in something different where that might lead to different directions at times of where yeah. the character goes. True. I watched the, uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of them because they, they shot a lot of the movie, but uh, the outtakes, or not outtakes, but the, the Back to the Future, famously, they swapped out. Um, yeah, Eric uh, Roberts. Eric, and... not, it's not, is it Eric Roberts? Yeah, I think er, so. Er, uh, Eric. Oh, God, I can't, it's not Eric Roberts. That's because that's Julia Roberts' brother. We would, we would, I would love to see outtakes My... of Eric Roberts, but I can't think of his last name. Stoltz, Eric Stoltz. Oh, but yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, that, um, okay, that is yeah, that is a lot different. Um, uh, uh, it, it, with um, Michael J. Fox for, as Marty McFly and, and Back to the Future, and it is weird to watch something you've loved and and really enjoyed growing up shot with a different actor and somebody taking the role too seriously. And it is funny how I don't I, I don't want to say it would be worse, but how different the tone and the the enjoyment would have been of that movie if they just kept going with Stoltz and tried to make this yeah, thing work. I, it's like they didn't have the playfulness that Michael yeah. J. Fox brought. And you wonder with like Ford, like he brings a gruffness and seriousness, but he does bring some humor. Some lightness and humor yeah. as well. And if if you lost that or if you went too far in that direction, um, which I think some people would argue some of the sequels actually do. Uh, they do. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm dwelling way too much, but I, I think I just, I couldn't imagine anybody else other than, than Ford uh, being in this. It's, it's just crazy how, how much he brings to this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, talking about um, Spielberg and a lot of like choices and, I think a great example of um, some small, like a small scene, but it's so well executed is, is the bad dates scene. <laughs> Just like some of the cinematography camera positions and things where they're shooting like through the ceiling fan. Um, so many different angles and just communicating visually the dates being poisoned and the monkey and, but all while that's happening, it's um this like ancient guy like reading who can read the inscriptions on the. He's just hanging uh, out. It's weird. Yeah. I, I thought that was like wild. But... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. But 
it's it's a kind of an exposition dump scene to a degree where they're just deciphering the tablet so it explains like oh how they know like how they know where to go dig instead of the nazis um but you have like the great like john williams music that's like mysterious and you have like kind of like the wind swell as he's reading it so that but while all that's happening you have this like subterfuge of um the guy sneaking in poisoning the dates and the monkey eating them and so like while you're getting all this information there's so much happening and you're adding tension to the scene of oh my oh like is indy gonna die and like I, that's what is so impressive in this movie like so many times it's just when you go to that scene it's like okay we're gonna have the mysterious old guy like read this and like yeah have the great music and the wind will swell and like um and they like people will be like well that's enough that's a great scene and this just adds that element of danger of oh is indy or Salo gonna eat one of the dates and die and it just makes just a basic scene, a life or death scene. And it's just so impressive. Uh, and you've just established the monkey and his handler, I guess, for the past like 20 minutes of the movie of being like a threat that's watching them. And so that's like built up into this moment. So it feels organic. It doesn't feel like this is suddenly being forced in that it's happening like you've known they've been watching and spying on them so like something was coming uh it's just an, an impressive execution of that kind of basic deciphering uh ancient artifact scene well and it, it and it builds so well on the encounter with um belloc in the scene before is it, it just reminds you that they're, they're they're in danger and they're people that are after them yeah and uh the it is life or death and i i uh i agree I I felt bad for the monkey though because uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think the monkey deserved that. Yeah, he was a Nazi. <laughs> Nazis do <laughs> just the monkey. Um, that's fair. I um, yeah, I, I like all the stuff uh, when they go to the the, the dig site. Uh, kind of after this, it's really crazy how fast the whole plot just keeps moving. It, again, I just yeah, the pacing in this blows me away. But there's some really beautiful shots of uh uh of them digging and i i love and i don't know why it took me this long to figure it out but the whole they're digging in the wrong spots yeah <laughs> um why they're digging there is because they only have one side of the the medallion which is only i think part of the instructions they don't know how high the staff has to be because that's yeah, on the other side like of the, the medallion. second half is like in like to honor the hebrew god remove two hectates or something, something yeah. like that yeah well, and I, I love that it's on Tot's hand, and that's how they yeah. they figured out it's at such least a, half of it, which is crazy. Is a great payoff from the Miriam Bar scene where he burns yeah. his hand, has to go, and like you think that's just a way to get rid of him in that scene, but it, oh, it's like oh, they actually this was useful to them, and like and it's great like reintroduction of him where he does like the Heil Hitler and his hand is burned, and like yeah, that's... that I just it's such a clever i just don't feel like audiences are treated to be that intelligent to get all of that anymore <laughs> mm -hmm. uh and it, it's just i i, I love I, I love the way they they set all that exposition up and they and they they get us then to the dig site and then i really enjoy like i think this is like the first time that indy walks past belloc and he's in disguise and, and <laughs> like just I think it happens like two more times in the movie. <laughs> They've never so Belloc is really blind. I think that was the one thing I took away from this. But <laughs> um, just really enjoy the the them in the desert and uh, finding the right 
the right um was it catacomb or whatever that they climb into and yeah the it, yeah the, the map room scene. yeah the map room yeah, yeah it's just it's such a cool well done shot of it, it, it i love that you know indy indy's there it just seems like he's so excited to to have figured out this mystery and, and they've solved something that nobody else has been able to figure out for thousands of years it's just i don't know it's, it's such a it, such a cool moment it, it's just such an impressive way spielberg shoots that scene and builds like the tension of I, as a kid like that is probably the scene that was like my favorite scene in the movie uh because it's like it feels magical even though it's just like the sun coming through and like shining through this like crystal like it feels like a payoff to like m- almost like magic exists like this like adventure like treasure hunting is like is real like you can you can do this and for Indy, it feels like a fulfillment of like a lifelong dream of I'm actually on the path of something people thought lost forever and am seeing something that hasn't been seen for thousands and thousands of years. And I also think it's key. I know we kind of talked about this through our notes and both kind of agreed of like as a kid, at least for an American culture, I think ancient Egypt is very synonymous with like archaeology. Yes. And like has a cultural i don't know like as a kid you just kind of get like the mummy's tomb or things ingrained in you uh this feels like more so than in dial of destiny where they go it's like ancient greece like that just feels more real world contemporary in a weird way than the ancient egypt stuff feels more ancient and magical i guess i don't know how else to describe it at least um when no, I, I, I was growing up as a kid, like it just kind of was in a culture in a different way. It, it, it was probably not in always the culture that Egypt wants to be represented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I think that's what Spielberg does really well. And, and also I should probably give Lucas more credit on this because uh, he, I think he was the, the lead on writing a lot of this, but they pick, you know uh places to set the movie and 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 items they focus the plot around like the the covenant where it's got some cultural relevance so you're not bringing people in on a complete blank slate of what the the driver of the plot's going to be and i think that helps them maybe be able to move the movie along a little faster is okay even if you're not a christian most people know what the 10 commandments are and mm, yeah. you, you know to your point ancient egypt is is it's got something about it culturally that people will know the relevance of archaeology and, and that that's that's where a lot of the ancient world is kind of established you know for a lot of people so i think th- they set this in a world where everybody knows nazis are bad right so it, it's just one of those where i it, they they build a world that's very easy for everybody to just kind of dip the, dip their toe into and it's not such a strip a stretch where you have to spend so much of the movie giving exposition and, and world building it's easy to to kind of jump drop straight into a lot of these ideas and and understand where they want to go with it yeah they're effectively using things the audience would already know and feel like to jump them quickly into scenes yeah like um like i was thinking <laughs> we we're talking about fast and furious earlier right i was like i can't remember which <laughs> one it was but what is it's there's one where it's like it's called the god's eye it's the one with kurt russell where kurt russell oh, plays geez, the yeah. CIA yeah. guy. Yeah. that's like three movies ago but 
they have to spend so many different scenes like expositioning around like this thing because it's not real and it's never been real and and so so that the audience will actually have it'll give some kind of weight to the audience as to why they have to stop this thing (laughs) and spielberg is and lucas are smart they don't they don't they have concepts here that you don't need to waste all that time on and um it, it helps you establish the stakes very quickly yeah, it's like, oh, we have to stop the Nazis from getting what they think is like an ultimate weapon. A super weapon, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. I, I get it. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I, to to their credit, I mean, you may, maybe it's because that that's an easy setup. Uh, I don't know. But it, it just makes this movie have a lot of stakes and, and just move a lot faster than, than anything else. So I have no idea where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so I'll jump back to the map room. Uh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> A, a great little payoff at the end of it. Uh, and I think this but also helps with the Nazis because culturally there's like an iconic, iconography <laughs> behind them that communicates a lot quickly. So the soldiers come and get like Sala and he has to like leave where he's supposed to pull Indy out of. So he has to go like improvise and he comes back. And so he throws down stuff for any kinds of one of them is like a Nazi flag. And it's yeah. just a great like reminder of like who they're up against that they're up against evil um and that you just don't get that battling kind of many other people something that is so associated with like evil it's just funny of using their own uh their own things against them (laughs) yeah i uh i think it's fun i i i would love to see a scene of Sala trying to assemble this thing and like tile this shit together uh, <laughs> and not get caught for, like while yeah. he's outside the map room though. Cause he, he gets busted once and that's, that's kind of why he has to go do it. But yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's also where the movie is so smart where they never show any of that of Sala, like scrambling around. Like you could see that being played as like a slapsticky scene in other movies of him trying to like get stuff. Um, and instead, you just you just like put that together as an audience of like, oh, he had to go run around and improvise and find like bed sheets and things to get whatever I, uh, he could to pull Indy out of here. I I could uh, I could see one of the newer movies probably doing something like that <laughs> where they're like, we're going to scrambling, slapsticky kind of scene or like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This this movie that walks a a terrific line of humor and action and and serious and seriousness. And I think that um, it's something like you you already said this, but it, it's something that the, the later ones seem to miss the cues on a little bit. Like they don't. They force they, the they, humor in a little more. This the humor feels more organic. Yeah. And I think that um, I it's something I appreciate about this probably up through Last Crusade. Um, even even Last Crusade's got a little, little probably too slapsticky at times. Uh, Indy meeting Hitler and having him sign his book, for example, is probably a little like goofy slapsticky more than yeah and it sticks it fits with the tone of that movie but it's definitely i can see it's it's a different tone than raiders for sure yeah yeah at times in that uh um so one of the things that i also found very funny in this and like even as a kid and it kind of plays against like tropes and like type of a movie where so at the camp um you get the reveal Marion's still alive and Indy finds her. And then he's like getting ready to rescue and then put then realizes, Oh, like if I take Marion, they're going to realize something's up and start searching the camp. 
and like we can't so so then he has to like gag her and leave her tied up <laughs> and it just like fits so well of their relationship where like she started to like soften on him and be like oh like i i, I remember like why i like this guy and then and then he has to like, kind of abandon her but like as an audience like you get why he has to do that um because you know it's more important to defeat the nazis but it's just very funny of, of like the hero has to abandon like the girl you normally expect him to rescue I, I mean, I, I like it because it just gives you, I mean, it seems shitty at the time, but uh, <laughs> I like it just because it, it tells you how smart he is. Like he, yeah. he sees the bigger picture and he's not, he's not getting lost in, in personal stuff to, to motivate him, at least for the most part. And I, I, don't, I, I, I think it, I think it's a fun scene. I, I also like, again, that sets up Marion trying to outdo uh, Belloc. <laughs> yeah. And I was curious because they both get pretty drunk. But then Belloc's like, this is my family label. So I was like, okay, he's like, I've been drinking this since I was a kid. And so I'm like, I guess is that trying to tell us that like Marion can't really outdrink him because he's too I think too I think it's supposed to explain like maybe why like he can keep up with Marion. Okay. That's <laughs> what I was so I like why it's not, why it's not quite gonna work the way she expected because yeah, it's not uh, but that's how I was always read it of um this is going to be like harder than you thought of why like he could. I yeah, fair. I all of the stuff in the tent with with Belloc to me was good character and world building stuff. He's very mustache twirly villain in this <laughs> in this part, <laughs> and I think that works really well for for the payoff later on when he uh, when uh, when you see him uh, get his comeuppance. I I, yeah. I I like I like him as a bad guy. He seems to be a much more elegant, interesting bad guy. Tut is kind of the head bad nazi or not head bad nazi but he's like the head head of the nazis uh in this and then um you have uh renee belloc who's i don't know he's just a much more interesting character with some depth it's it's interesting because even and i never really picked up on this again as a kid but you can even see when when they they are showing you belloc and the nazis discussing what they're they're doing and what they're digging up you can already tell there's this division in their motivations and and the type of uh, what, what they're what they're each after in, in this process, and I, I liked I liked seeing some of that. Um, you get it a little bit later on when they close the tomb, or the the well of souls, with Indy and, and Marion inside. Yeah, it's the stuff with um Belloc and Marion, and then they taught and the other Nazis. I think works really well because it, it shows so many different shades of evil. Yeah. Um, or kind of good bad spectrum. Um, where like Indy, where so like Indy leaves her tied up, but he's not the one who like tied her up and did it. But but his motivation is he has to stop the Nazis. So it's like yeah, but he's willing to leave her there. But it's to stop the Nazis. So it's like okay, like his motives are good, even if it's a bad thing to do. Belloc seems just like purely selfish. Yeah, he's like I'm gonna try to like like charm this beautiful woman. And like, see what I can get for myself out of it. Um, and I think like he means it kind of when he tells her like the like she's mine, and he yeah. views it as like this will be like a possession of mine. Um, and I want if like it doesn't go well, and like well then she'll be disposable if it doesn't go the way like if it doesn't please me. Um, and then the Nazis are just like she's she's we're, she's not going to help us accomplish our goal for the Fuhrer. She is useless. Like murder her. Yeah, and. 
it's such like a, a range of spectrum of the characters of like oh one's like kind of pure not quite pure hearted but has like good motivations one's just selfish and one's just evil <laughs> yeah i uh Bella, when, when they throw her in the well of souls bella kind of acts like a spoiled kid yeah it's like oh you took my toy away like like you you and i and that's not fair but yeah i um i i i agree it, it's it's hard to land on Belloc and if he's less evil or more or as evil as the Nazis in this, because his motivations are, to your point, are selfish, but he, he kind of sees the Ark as an ability to have unlimited power as well. And I think he's actually trying to dupe the Nazis into getting it so he can open it before Hitler does. Uh, he's doing it under the auspices of, of them not wanting to embarrass themselves in front of him, in front of Hitler. But the reality is, I think, you know, Belloc's trying to get that power and harness it himself so he can he can take over the world. So I mean, I, I think to your you point, think he wants to. You think he has that motivation that far to take over the world? I feel like it. Well, he never really quite says it, but uh, it seem it seems like he wanted to open the Ark of the Covenant because I think he thought he wanted to get control of it, and I think the Nazis were prideful enough that they didn't want to. Can't remember what the name of the colonel or the general is that that's with him, but that he doesn't he that guy doesn't want to basically show up empty-handed in front of Hitler after they've promised that they have this thing, and so that's why he, yeah. um, Belloc's been able to convince them to open it. But I, I I think he wants it for he wants it for the power. I think I always I always read his motivation as that's an interesting question. I I I haven't thought it through that much. I always just read it as. This is the one of the most important historical artifacts ever, and I'm gonna attach myself to that, and I will go down in history, and I will be famous, and that will bring me like wealth and and riches. And never really looked at it from like, does he actually want the power that this convey that this will could potentially give him? That's interesting. After next time I watch it, I have to watch it through that lens of is he trying to get this power? Um, and thinks like maybe he can think is cocky enough to think like I understand this stuff better than the Nazis. Yeah, I, I can, will be the one who can like if I open it first, like I can pull one over I on can, basically. Yeah, like then it, I will be in control of it, and like they'll have to deal, they'll have to give me what I want because I'm the only one who can give them what they want. I uh, I think that's how I I interpret it. Uh, is is that he's he's to your point he he's smarter than everybody else which is probably true in this and he's found an angle where he can actually pull one over on them and, and he can gain the power before they actually get, get a chance to do it and he's doing it with people who are too concerned over how they may look to allow them uh to to really question yeah, or see, well, what, see like, what he's doing i mean a lot of reason why and they tend to do this in Dial of Destiny. A lot of the reason why the Nazis lost the war, it, oh, when yeah, it went poorly, they get too scared of no one would say no to Hitler. Um, yeah. And tell him when ideas were bad and that kind of um, destroyed their ability to function properly that they were so afraid of this, of upsetting this one person. Um, uh, so, you, yeah, you buy it that they would be like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I've been in the room where he gets mad at somebody. Like I'm not, I'm not bringing this thing well. as I know for sure. Yeah, 
<laughs> I'm not dealing with that. Like, <laughs> it's well, funny. Um, like, I've worked somewhere ahead. where there was like an owner who was kind of like that, who like everyone was just afraid of upsetting. And like, I mean, obviously, he wasn't Hitler, but it's like, yeah, I can't imagine how like terrifying it'd be. Like, oh fuck, there's a staff meeting Tuesday, and if we don't get this taken care of, Hitler is gonna ask about this, and he's gonna be pissed. <laughs> and like, we got like, we gotta figure out an angle of. <laughs> no, we're I, not I, getting shit on. <laughs> I've worked for some guys, and they're people I like, and they, but they, they were there are meetings where you're just like, I just. I want to get to this meeting, get through it, get it over as fast as yeah. possible because it's just going to be shitty. It's going to be bad, and I just don't yeah. want to. I don't want to linger on this or whatever any longer we have to. Um, well, uh, so you know that gets us into the well of souls. There are some beautiful shots in this. I love the. I love oh, the, the shadows silhouette. and the yeah, yeah silhouettes and the oh, it's well, incredible. The sunset where you, it, it's all the guys are digging, and then Indy yeah. uh, takes off. That's the, the, that's the most iconic shot to me. Yeah, I did think it was funny that, that, that nobody noticed him though, because I'm like they're up yeah. high, like above everybody else working, and nobody seems to have disrupted them or mm-hmm. asked them like what they're doing um, throughout this whole process. And yeah, I think that was that was. And I always bought it as they've established like the dig is so big, and they kind of talk about that several times. Like, like it'd be there's so much going on, like, it'd be easy to get lost in that. Yeah. Um, it's like I kind of buy it, and then I mean it ends up being that's kind of how they do find them is yeah. Why are those people still digging over there? <laughs> well, I th- was it? It's Belloc that, that 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 finally realizes that something's wrong, right? Yeah, I can't. I don't know why I can't remember that. But he wakes up. They just right? go out and are walking and talking, and he kind of sees there are guys digging over there. That's right. Why would they be digging over there? That's not where I've told anyone to dig, and it's kind of makes sense. It's almost like, in some ways, like he has been established as the smartest person so too much where the nazis like don't question anything they're yeah. like oh if someone's digging over there like okay they're doing what they've been ordered to do um but whereas he knows like oh i know everywhere where we're supposed to be digging and that's not a spot <laughs> yeah uh good point that's a good point well all right well souls awesome <laughs> <laughs> No notes. <laughs> no notes. Um, I do like the snake stuff. Uh, again, it's a payoff from from the opening. But I, as a kid, the stakes always felt super real to me. Uh, with the cobras and stuff, and the and the ass. Yeah. And even I mean, I think they've digitally taken it out. But I remember as a kid, you could kind of sometimes see the reflection. I agree. I have, a, I have a lot of moments in this movie with little things like that where I'm like. I'm watching for it. I'm like, I kind of remember seeing that, and then it's not there, or I don't really see it. And I'm like, I wonder if they removed, like, they did something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they digitally removed it. But I mean, which is okay; it doesn't really take it take anything away. But I, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff is. I mean, I always think yeah. even just, I don't know. It, it, I I don't like snakes, and so no, the, the, the idea that even shooting that behind glass where you're facing a snake at eye level, I'm like that yeah. seems fucking terrifying to yeah. me. I wouldn't want to do that. And I love um, how well they sell it with um, Sala. Like John Reese Davies is fantastic in this. Uh, well, first they open it and like the lightning flashes, and it's like the statue right by him. <laughs> he's like, oh, and he's like, sorry, Indy. <laughs> uh, but then he's just like casually, just like asks, very dangerous. You go, you go first. first. Indy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
but it, it just like it's just very funny but like effectively like it's like yeah this is really dangerous uh yeah i i they they said it pretty well that i mean it seems a little slick but it's like okay just fire will kill them or push them away so we'll just take a torch and basically burn a bunch of snakes <laughs> yeah they're good as an adult i will say and, and watching this obviously in in high definition now or like fully restored it is wild how fake some of the snakes are because like when they're shooting <laughs> like the, from the top in, uh, into this the well of souls a lot of fake rubber snakes just laying all over the floor <laughs> the and it goes to like one of the things where it's like 80 81 making stuff not Nobody's thinking of that shit yeah, yeah not like um because there's the scene before this is it before this or after this where they pull up in the car and it's supposed to be taught, but he's not there. It's just like his hat on a stick and the jacket wrapped around it. Cause I, yeah. for whatever reason, they didn't have the actor. Like, but like, you don't really notice it because your eyes, where your eyes should be looking is directed a couple other places. So that's like, it'd be a weird place to be looking. So that should be enough information to peripherally just fill it out. Um, I think it's like such a confident baller move by Spielberg of just like, Oh, and I know where people will be looking and they won't they won't be looking at this. We can get away with it. But it's also not realizing, oh, like people are going to have this on like 4K <laughs> at, at some point and like watch it 50 times. And that like everyone will eventually notice that if you if you do that. Uh, but the same with like the snakes of like, oh, once we establish it and like you're in the theater, I'm just like, oh, my God, like a pit of snakes, like crazy. And then they cut away and you like didn't have time to look that close yeah i um i love it i even though i, I can see the behind the wall or behind the, the curtain a little bit i don't care yeah. um i still just really enjoy it. it i think the well of souls thing too uh it's 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 a fun set piece i like the idea that um it shows you how diabolical the nazis are because they're willing to throw marion in there and she happens to kind of yeah. s- save herself again by catching hanging on to the the statue that Sala Sala foresees but they're willing to just let him basically slowly die or suffocate or whatever inside that tomb yeah Yeah. it's just like they're horrible what an awful way to die too like once especially if you you have it bitten by a snake or if but then maybe go quicker and if you don't it just seems it's gonna be awful if if you're just stuck in there to die Um, one of the things I love in this scene is the amount they show the arc they kind of really show it as they're moving it and creating it up but it's never it's mostly close-ups or in the shadow and it's like the perfect amount to keep it mysterious but you get just enough like glimpses of it to to buy like yeah that's like looks impressive (laughs) like um to buy that it's the arc um and I, i think they really nail like how much you show it that like it's all it's kind of like the less is more philosophy, but they do give you enough where you don't like feel cheated. Um, yeah, that you didn't get to see it. I uh, I still love the the thing of when it, it's they're they're carrying it and it's in the crate with the swastika on the side and it just burns through and, and and takes it off. You're right, like you don't you don't get much of it, but the pieces you do get are are, are so well done and keep it so interesting. indeed so um are we getting short on time no 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 i just get a text from my mom <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Give Joe my love. One of the things that struck me this time watching it was how quickly they actually escape from the well of souls. I know um, it is like it's like almost immediate. <laughs> I, I it's really <laughs> like in like terms of screen time, it's like borderline like five six minutes or something. Which yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It seems like a, something you either escape from quickly or you die. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you couldn't last very long in there. Um, one of the things that always does it is just movie making magic kind of suspension of disbelief is i always feel there's a little too much light in the well of souls when they seal them in like it feels like oh, that yeah. yeah should be pitch black just about i know they have a couple torches and stuff but also though like you can like you also you can't can shoot a movie if it's pitch black. it would yeah. make it way worse um yeah so one of my like only flaws of this movie is when karen allen when marion when indy crashes the statue through the side of the wall and Karen Allen goes in and it's like the room of like mummies. And on the audio, there's like a scary like mummy scream. And I've always been like, well, who, like, what is that? Are they positing that that's happening in this room? Is that that's just in there for the audience? And that's just what that, it's always taken me out. And I've always been like, I don't, I feel that was like a touch too much. I think it was, um, I, I took it as, it's in it's kind of like in her own head like she's yeah she's I, worked I herself up into that into like fear and and now now it's like it feels like everything's alive and after her and then uh, indy but, just kind of comes up it's like hey over here let's go over here and the the snake coming out of the skull's mouth also freaked yeah that's a kid pretty that's effective <laughs> that's some uh scary scary imagery uh still is too actually ironically yeah yeah, I think I think Carter covered his eyes for that one. Uh, I don't think he liked smart, that one. Smart man. Yeah, yeah he was. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it did make me laugh a little bit that like two pretty tired, you know, reasonably normal people were able to just move this giant block that just so happens to back up to this this makeshift airport, um, and that nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. sees this thing come flying um, out yeah there are some like a little bit of seams here of how quickly they're moving through stuff but then it's also like i don't know at this point like you're on board with like the movies as like a fun adventure and yeah. so you're kind of you're used to that pacing by now of we're yeah. gonna move to things because it's incredible it goes from this well of souls into the fight at the airfield into the truck chase um on the horse and is like holy shit! Like what a what a run of a movie! Like, yeah. Well, and I, I forgot there. There's a small break in the middle of all that. Like you get a little bit of a reprieve after the the, the plane blows up of Indy and Sala talking and, and oh, scoping out what's going on. Yeah, I got to say during that scene, it's my it's my my son Sam, his favorite line. <laughs> well, I'm making this up as I go along. No, no, uh, it's Sala. He says, "Oh, my friends, I'm so pleased you're not dead." <laughs> 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 i um yeah that's a lot of it, it's it, it, it's it's an action sequence the whole run from the airfield and through it just feels like it's a precursor to action scene, scenes we have today it works really really well here and you don't you don't get too hung up on the length of it because it's a long sequence but yeah. it, it feels like they try and do that i guess in in modern movies and it just doesn't work as well you know the 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 chase and the jungle and crystal skulls i think supposed to be yeah that one just goes a little too far it's too far it's too it's a little too over the top 
they they did the uh, the tuck tuck chase in uh, Morocco in Dial Destiny again. It's too long. It's just too much. But he well, I this, don't know, this really this is, out Spielberg how well he directs action. Yeah. Um, geographically to make you know where things are and where like you are and characters are. And I was watching this time and how um he follows like the 180 degree rule so well of everything's kind of shot from like the same side of the truck and like swings around it, but establishes like each spot you're going to view from. And so he can, when he starts cutting quicker and that might be might that might be a bit of Lucas. I know he helped in the editing and he's a really good editor. Yeah, he was um, he was so that, co-creator um, on that. Yeah, so they, it could also be some something in the editing as well with that, but it just like establishes like each place you're going to view this from and so then it can start cutting quicker and you're never lost because you've established that and it's like oh my god, it's it's like so impressive. Uh like you're thinking through how movies are made, how audiences view them, how they're edited. Like, you know how like your brain knows how movies work. And it's I was like, God damn, that's Spielberg, man. might have a future in this, uh, in this industry. <laughs> Even in his late seventies, he's, he's still got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh... I was going to say one thing too, uh, the Vic Armstrong book. I, I never knew this. So the giant Nazi guy, he fights at the airfield. Yeah. Um, which is also a great iconic fight scene with like five or six like small moments that are memorable and that. But um, it's a stuntman, Pat Roach. Also, the same guy he fights on the conveyor belts in uh, Temple of Doom. <laughs> same uh, stuntman. And that's the big guy that, wait, the guy that's on the airplane? Yeah. The guy, the giant Nazi like boxes. Ball guy, right? Yeah. That's the same guy? The same guy from the conveyor belt in Temple of Doom. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. That guy's ripped. In 1983, <laughs> uh, he also beat the shit out of uh, Sean Connery and Never Say Never Again. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was that's what I know him from. Is he he gets pissed thrown in his face and then he dies. Like <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's uh, he's got some pretty mo- awful movie deaths actually from from what little I've seen of his career. <laughs> Propeller to the face, Propeller to the face, that yeah. rock grinder thing, and then James and then he Bond's gets pissed in his face. James Bond's pissed in his face, and he gets uh, he falls into a bunch of beakers that get stuck in his back. So that guy's had a pretty shitty run. Yeah, uh, when I think about it, um. Yeah, I, I love I love this fight sequence. Uh, uh, it's again, it's an action set that uh, you just know where everything is placed. And Spielberg does such a good job of establishing uh, where the fuel truck is, where the pilot is, where uh, Indy and Marion are. This guy coming out and, and fighting Indy. I like seeing Indy get his ass kicked. It's fun. Like yeah. He somehow makes it entertaining to see the bad guy or the good guy losing a little bit. Well, and he has to kind of try to outsmart him. Yeah as well that he can't it's not just like brawn of doing well, it, like it's funny that this is the first introduction of uh the the big guy that indy's gonna have to fight at some point like yeah, yeah. because they do this in what every single movie after this right um who does he fight in last crusade well he, he's he all the stuff on the tank all the tank stuff is just he's just fighting just regular like, he's fighting i can't remember what the yeah i don't know one but... g- quite giant it feels like yeah maybe not okay i uh, don't know i might have to maybe i might be missing something obvious <laughs> there i no i think you're right i don't, I don't think he, i don't think he does in, in last crusade but he he kind of does in uh dial of destiny i think oh he does for sure in dial of destiny then the kid just kills the guy uh yeah. and then uh, <laughs> um <laughs> 
I think he does in Crystal Skull as well. I think. I thought this was a trope. Maybe it's not a trope. It might be kind of early on in Crystal in Crystal yeah. Skull. I think it's fight, like when he's they when fights he's... the big guy and then straps him to like the rocket sled. Is it that is that one of them? Or I don't. Yeah, but I do think there's uh, one more more so in Crystal Skull. But uh, anyway, I I I digress. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I love the 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 chase sequence as well of of the the horse and and he gets onto the the truck and then it, it's just this really well shot tight action scene of of him fighting these guys off uh not getting shot at by the other nazis on the motorcycle <laughs> and then i i always thought it, it still works for me even though you can kind of see what they're doing him having to go underneath the truck it's it's such yeah, a it's... crazy stunt to, to to be done practically it, and, and how spielberg shoots it you just never you never questioned it you never questioned that they actually did it and because he has the whip yeah it feels like plausible that like oh like he like this would work like that's what he's using like that's oh like he has like and it makes it, it makes him feel so smart he's like oh that's why he carries the whip it's like it's you never know it comes it in gets him out of everything yeah <laughs> that that's the one questionable thing whip physics definitely questionable in all of these <laughs> <laughs> i will say as a kid a few times i like but I'm, and I guess Harrison Ford did spend a lot of time training with like a whip. Like, it was like, I have no, I was like, a few times I got like got my hands on a whip and like, I was like, I don't know how anyone does it. Like, like this makes no sense that you could do anything <laughs> with this. Well, I like that like Indy can stick it into stuff and it'll just stay and support his weight. And then as soon as he's like, he wants free to of it, he can, like, I don't it, know, like, it's, it's like, unstuck. Magic just... wrist snap that unhooks it or like, yeah, yeah. like, um, when he's using it to to climb across the uh, at the very beginning ac- across that 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 gap oh, where Alpha yeah, Molina has yeah, double crossed yeah. him, and he and he attaches it to the log he, and he, he he goes across, but then he has like no issue like unwinding it and just immediately running away. Yeah. <laughs> like, whip, whip physics definitely questionable, but I, I'll I'll forgive it for this movie. Yeah, I mean that's like that's the kind of like adventure movie magic stuff that like you want at a movie yeah. of like because yeah. I um, but yeah, I love love the whole fight uh, on the on the truck. It does feel like he's just fighting a bunch of old stunt guys that like they have lined <laughs> it, up. <laughs> it does have that. It does have that vibe a bit, folks. <laughs> I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, probably so. But it's like probably a bunch of guys who work for Vic Armstrong. It's like, all right, yeah, get in exactly. costume. You're gonna be the guy who shoots him. You're gonna be the guy who goes under the truck. You're gonna be the guy who uh, who uh, takes over the truck for a little bit. It's just it's funny to see how. <laughs> Um, it's just guys getting their ass kicked um, by by Indy, and I think all of this kind of become was was what became the the stunt, the Indiana Jones stunt show, I believe, at, at Disney. I definitely went to that as a kid. Yeah, so I've been not telling you they do the opening, kind of like Boulder scene to a degree, and then, um. I feel they've like changed it a couple times because I feel I've seen it at times where it's more like the airfield. That's but what I think I I've seen it at times where it's more the marketplace. Oh, okay. Kind of chase, um, kind of thing. So like, I, I think it's been updated maybe a couple times to change it where like depending on when you went. Because I have like memories of like a few different, a few different things. Uh, I only re- I only remember it as the airfield thing and there's explosions and there's yeah because the last time i went i don't i don't think it was the airfield okay 
but well, damn, I would have gone back. I know there was gonna be a different show. I thought they just did the same <laughs> thing every single day. Oh, that's also a good question. If they have, if they do, if they have different versions, they do in like on Monday and Wednesday or something. I don't know. <laughs> or if California gets a different one than than Florida. Yeah, it could be. I'm gonna just go to Disney World right now. <laughs> go buy <All> right. tickets. <laughs> is it still? Is it even still a show? Do they still? Yeah, yeah, it's that? still there. It's still at uh, Hollywood Studios. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't been since I was like 12, so it's been it's it's been. Okay. A minute. Um, I went last summer, I think. Um, <laughs> by yourself? Yeah, just me. Drove <laughs> seven and a half hours <laughs> Worth down it. to Disney, watched the show, drove home. Worth <laughs> That's it. it. Yep. Um. Yeah. So hundred and twenty dollars in gas, hundred dollars steam park ticket, but oh, at least I, I well bet worth it. it. It's yeah, it's probably uh, depending on the day, it could be like a hundred and fifty dollars theme park ticket. I don't know if oh they. Oh God. Um. Price shit now. Uh. <laughs> now let's talk about inflation, like true adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, you had a good point about this too. The chase sequence is it's in- it's more interesting here that we see the hero chasing the bad guy versus the bad guy chasing the hero, and yeah, that's something I'm... that doesn't always really happen. Reading this Quentin Tarantino book, and I meant to like look up exactly what he said before, but he said kind of something. I think he was talking about Bullet and the French Connection, um, and just had something talking about like, oh, it's more interesting when you're when the hero is chasing someone and I just got me thinking, I was like, yeah, I was like, actually that just has a more satisfying payoff. And I was like, well, I guess it just depends where the scene's going and what you're doing with it. So it's not like a, like a one size fits all rule, but the chasing where you're like, your hero is chasing someone. If um, the, the ways for that to pay off are like, I mean, success and failure, um, but you can really feel like that character a little more, what they're feeling and be rooting for something or, but when your hero is being chased, it almost, I don't know. It almost lessens the tension or like you're just rooting for them to get away, which feels not as exciting or like, I think it's also harder to shoot. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I haven't thought this through that well. Um, but I was just thinking, I was like, that does feel that does feel true. <laughs> in a well, it's what, the stakes in a movie where the hero is being chased, you know they're going to get away at some point. You know they're going to be okay um, on some level because if they're not, then okay, where's like you know if Indiana Jones is being chased, he's probably not going to be killed. Um, there, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and a good way to put that. The, 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 when, when he's doing the chasing, it's it's truly it's literally and physically moving the plot along. Uh, you know, of, of he's pursuing he's pursuing the plot to keep this thing moving. So maybe maybe it's because it gives you a little bit more to root for. But um, I this is horrible horrible uh, reference for it. But I watched Cobra the other night, and uh, <laughs> which is who I am. Uh, and it's funny because they have a chase scene where uh, it starts with the villains chasing the heroes. And then in the middle, it just flips, and then it becomes the heroes chasing the villains, <laughs> and the uh, the heroes chasing the villains thing does make it feel more interesting in that, just because uh, otherwise it's just you're watching a bunch of stunt guys shoot out of cars and, and some explosions, and it's yeah, it's, just, it's, it's not really moving. Advancing you kind of know certain things aren't going to happen. Yeah, there's no stakes. 
that yeah when it's you're an hour into a movie like or yeah. hero's not dying so yeah probably not probably not um yeah but uh bullet's a good example too of of well i mean they kind of flip the script on that one too they they do flip the chase in the middle but it it, it becomes a lot more interesting when it is bullet pursuing the bad guys yeah uh it initially yeah. starts with them pursuing him he, he flips the script on them and anyway so I just thought that was interesting, and you're right. Like it, it does build for a more interesting movie having having the good guy be the one who's the pursuer. Thank you, Quentin Tarantino. For turns out you also knew a lot about <laughs> yeah, he also movies. maybe also someone who knows a bit about a bit about movies. So, um, I uh, I did like this takes us to the, the lines about indie. Um, they 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 make it to a sub or not sub? Uh, yeah. They make it to a cargo ship. It's a pretty good interaction with him and, and Marion. Uh, I don't think I've ever been yeah. so tired I would fall asleep ahead of sex. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'll say he's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's been through a lot. I just don't, I don't, I knock on wood. I really hope that never happens. Um, just feel like that's something that's not plausible for me, but I, hey, I could be wrong. Uh, but I do like the the interaction with, with uh, Indy and Marion and, and the whole line of, you know, it's, it's not the years it's the mileage yeah oh, that's perfect uh, it's such a good line for for a guy who looks like he's in pretty good shape but he's just he's gotten his ass kicked and he's exhausted and... yeah and as you get older like you kind of start feeling that yeah. as well yeah i um uh i do think that was a missed opportunity in, in, in dial of destiny to not drop that line at least at once that would have made more sense than the other lines they call back from this scene <laughs> Oh yeah, the the kiss. I mean, it is nice. That this is the the tender moment, but yeah, it is. But I, I think it's such a good that that's that line's kind of been a throughput. I feel like for all of Indy's although, career. Although I do like that it plays with the Bond trope of the guy get like the set, having sex with the the female um, lead or the femme fatale or whoever is going to be in there. That and that he's on the verge of like sealing the deal. Finally, he falls asleep, um, and he falls asleep. And and it also is it kind of makes their relationship feel closer and more intimate that they don't sleep together. And she's like, oh, we we can never seem to catch a break. And it's like, oh, they they do have real feelings for each other. It's just never like timings never worked. Yeah, the timings never worked. And it's like um, it makes it feel um, the relationship feel more real. And like you kind of want it to happen even more now um, for the two of them. Do you? All right, so I'll I ask this in my note. Do you think this scene is where Mutt is conceived? Because they wait, they show <laughs> the next morning. The, well, the, no, they don't. well because you think they actually after he falls asleep, they wake up during the night and yeah, because Karen Allen wakes up and she has this smile on her face and she's she's not wearing any clothes and so I I, I took it as they actually slept together and it was just like he passed out and then woke up and then they do their thing and and I, I that's that's where Mutt is conceived is on this this boat in the middle of the Mediterranean or wherever it is. Hmm. Trying to think if that timeline, because you got to, so this, this is supposed to, this is supposed to be 36. Yeah. I don't, well, crystal skull takes place in 57. So he'd be 21. Doesn't a quite feel, but then, but then they don't, they don't have a relationship, but they're not together a couple years later when they do crusade, like in theory, it had As to be I, in, bet- in theory. It has to be in between this and yeah. Crusade. You'd think. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I bet nobody has ever thought about this or worried. I'm sure somebody has. I'm sure it's something on the internet that somebody has mapped out the timeline of Indiana Jones whether, having sex. It, and- it really depends how old you think Mud is, because 
I would believe he's that old. I don't think the movie they don't quite present him that old. That old, yeah, because that's a little. And then it's even crazier to think that he was 21 when that took place, and he dies in the 60s, which meant he enlisted and got killed in the army. And like, well, that's the other thing that doesn't. That's the other thing that doesn't quite (laughs) match up. I assume they're implying he dies in Vietnam, but his age would be more. He went to like Korea. (laughs) Yeah. If yeah. he's twenty, if he's if, conceived if he's a, now, if he's a combat soldier, yeah, that makes more sense. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of a now. I also would believe though, Indian Indian Marion like getting together every like two or three years. Yeah, and, that's a good point. I could see over that a period of time, and like so, like there's a ten year window where he could have been conceived any of like four times. That's a good point. That's a good point. No. I uh. Uh well the other thing I really want to talk about was uh this, this scene has uh chocolate mousse in it which is my, <laughs> my favorite <laughs> characters from Top Secret. <laughs> I saw it and I was like wait a second Beautiful. is that chocolate mousse and I was like yep mm. sure enough there he is I, I can't remember what his name is but uh the actor's name is but it did make me laugh. Uh, um, that's fantastic. Name? I think his name is is uh Fred Sorensen I think. Or no, it's Eddie uh, 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 Tago. Um, yeah, that's Chocolate Moose. So uh, anyway, I <laughs> uh, highly recommend people watch. If they like this, they should also watch Top Secret because it's it's, <laughs> it's a strange mix of World War II stuff, Beautiful. Um, time periods that don't make sense, and Elvis, or at least Elvis knockoffs. <laughs> um, so do you what? have any issue with Indy? Uh, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Yes, I do. I... Because the map they show, it looks like they traveled 200 nautical miles. And I, I I do love the scene of all the guys are cheering on the boat because they see him swimming onto the submarine and, and Chocolate Moose, because this is his scene. <laughs> he goes, I found him. And he's like, and the captain's like, where? He goes, there. <laughs> he's he's climbing onto the submarine. <laughs> I took it as they just never submerge. And he he's hiding on the top of the conning tower. Um, and he basically... Yeah jumps off before and swims into the sub base or something like that before That's what anybody I can, it as. can catch him. And it I know little strange. enough about submarines where I can kind of make up reasons for that to be true as well. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I never thought he went inside. I was like, I feel like he would just get caught immediately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, in my brain as a kid, I kind of thought like he just like climbs inside but like stays right at the very top. And so it's like, so he's just hanging on a ladder for like hours. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of like, <laughs> no one really kind of looks and like, then he's able to get out. And, but, um, but yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the kind of places they really just don't submerge. Um, yeah. Uh, but, and I, like, I don't know enough about submarines and because of this, I don't want to know, but I could see that also being like, if you're only going that far and there's no reason for you to be hiding, like, you don't submerge because like it's a waste of fuel or something or like yeah yeah there's no tactical reason to do it if, if uh, like, it, yeah, yeah. If we only submerge if like there's a practical reason for doing that um but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll forgive it i don't like it i'll forgive it it's uh it's a silly thing for me to pick on but yeah i also i, uh, I also viewed it more as they were going like 20 miles to I don't know, man. I look That's, at that. I don't know if that, that probably doesn't really work out. I guess it, I guess it depends where they pick them up in the ocean. I need some scale for this map they show uh, us for the, yeah. the, the, the passage of time. Um, I, 
I, I enjoy all of the stuff uh, of Indy uh, grabbing a guy with that's the wrong size. And, and yeah. Trying to put his and that's like the small little and... moments that make this movie so great of, and the character so great of like, Oh, it, they, he pulls it off. He does the thing. It's, and then it didn't work out. It doesn't make the uniform <laughs> yeah. doesn't fit. And like, he's got to do it again. Or... But it, they pay that off well again with they, they, that, that setup is a good platform for when in Dial of Destiny, he's wearing the guy who's the coat of the soldier who's clearly been shot. Yeah. And that's like the giveaway that he's he's obviously stolen somebody's stolen uniform. Him. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Classic move. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, so Indy has one move, which is basically. Um, uh, beat or kill somebody and then take their clothes. <laughs> take the uniform. Yep. Yeah. It's a good so, move. It is a good move. It, it does work out for the most part. I mean, I I, I laugh that again he passes uh Belloc in, in the sub base. Shoulders and kind of totally misses it. <laughs> yeah. <There's> no, yeah. <laughs> no no confusion or no double take. Hey, Belloc's got a lot going on, all right. <laughs> He's got a lot to think about. He's, He's about to a eat radio a fly. To God. <laughs> He's a radio to God. He's about to eat a fly. Yes. Um which I swear they've edited out of the Disney Plus version. I feel like they cut it back too in in the screening that uh, Carter and I saw because I feel like it was like you see it go in his mouth and then like then there's a cut after the the bug disappears so in his. Mouth. I've read an interview with Paul Freeman where he claims he didn't eat the bug. There were frames removed that make it look like he's eating the bug. And I was like, was like, well, was like, I don't That's know, a man. Weird edit choice though. Cause it feels yeah. like there's good continuity with. doesn't seem maybe, like, yeah. Oh, maybe he just doesn't want to admit to eating a bug. He, he'd be the guy who yeah. has to own up to like, yeah, a bug flew in my mouth. It's disgusting. And I just, I don't want to talk about it for the rest of yeah. my career. Well, I, cause if I were him, I would just be like, yeah, that's how good an actor I am. Like fucking bug. Going. Yeah, flew in my mouth, like crawled in my mouth, and I just kept going with the take because I wasn't gonna fuck up a good take because I'm a pro. I, uh, yeah, I, true. I'm. It's funny because I'm I'm looking up his IMDb. He's been in a ton a lot of, of stuff. British TV, I think he's what his career. Um, we're kind of where he goes at some point of this, which it would, it would make sense as a British actor. Um, he was in the Young Indiana Jones. Adventures of Young and the Young Indiana Jones. Um, there's just a lot of stuff where I feel like he's 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 really good. I just I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's surprising else. you didn't see him in a couple more things of um of like shortly after this, I mean. Yeah. More so of like big like oh we only even get like Belloc of <laughs> Like he's in double team with Van Dam and and yeah, that's Robin. right. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I, I've seen that. I have no memory of of him. Oh, I, I saw that not shame. too 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 long ago. I I do kind of now have a memory. <laughs> it's a shame that he, he, that he didn't do more. I think that's uh, or we didn't well, I'm always curious for an actor because when you look at um, his IMDb, there's some movies, but then it seems to be a lot of TV, particularly British TV, and you just wonder was like was that like a choice of like I don't really want to live out in LA. Well, that's a good point and kind of like oh i'll take like i take the jobs that are near me and like or was it oh i'm not getting cast in any big thing so i'm taking these tv jobs my career just went that route or so yeah you never quit no that's that's a good never point that's a good point i mean i'm sure he's, had a, he's got a good career it's just it, i i really like him as the foil to indy in this um he he he's such a good villain and the nazi guys are a little two-dimensional um and for obvious reasons they're they're, they're very yeah, two-dimensional, they're just but, nazis of yeah 
And uh, but he 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 brings a lot. I I I've always thought like the speech that Bella gives uh just ahead of the the finale was was awesome. It's just yeah, you know the you know you and I are just passing through time, the, or we are you and I are just passing through history. And he points to the arc and just saying this is history. And it, it's he he brings a lot of weight to the conclusion of of it. And I love that he he basically talks Indy out of his plan. Yeah, and, and he does such a good job. You, you buy it as the audience that he would have convinced Indy to not to not blow this up. Like it's too important. Um, yeah, I so do it's think an incredible uh, speech. Indy's plan is very poorly constructed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Uh, they're just going to be stuck on this island. Of... Yeah, he's stuck on an island. He's going to blow up the Ark of the Covenant, mm-hmm. uh, and. Marion is right next to it. When he's blow it up. So I'm just like, what? What is his real plan here? I mean, I think he just, yeah. I mean, I think he's winging. He's gonna, yeah, he's making it up as he goes along. <laughs> I I do enjoy that he 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 gets out on the march to go to the final site where they're going to open it up, and he's he's in costume and uh, and yeah. <laughs> so as a as a kid, it's so and it's. I mean, as an adult, it's still incredible. Um, but like. The whole time, especially at the beginning, where he's like, "I don't, I don't believe in the like, ghost stories or stuff," and he's interested in this as like a historical artifact. Yeah. Um, and then when he is like switches to being like, "Oh, like something's happening," like maybe I do believe, and it's like, "Marion, like close your eyes." Um, it's such a, a great payoff to like, oh, like magic exists in the world, and like he was never chasing it because he believed. And this having magical abilities or anything, um, he was trying to stop the Nazis, and then as a historical artifact, um, and the fact that like, oh my god, this thing is real, um, is such a great <clears throat> payoff to what you've been chasing the whole time that the MacGuffin actually has magical powers and like, it's um, it's funny because it feels like that would be life changing for a lot of people. Probably almost anybody <laughs> yeah. to see that and and it never for the character never really seems to change his outlook it's interesting yeah it, it, like it's like pretty conclusive proof of i mean oh, god of something something <laughs> certainly like, like yeah that should kind of shake you to uh to your core in some ways well it, it, it's um i go back to what i said about last crusade as good a movie as that is after seeing this you would think that like the 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 leap of faith he has to make to go wouldn't to be so hard. Grail, like, seems pretty easy actually after you see yeah. something like this yeah That's i i love too. the special effects in this this final scene oh of, yeah of, yeah even though like, they, the ghost thing doesn't quite hold up i i, I want to uh, go back and but see i think they're, they're yeah there. i mean i think it's a little bit from seeing as a kid but i think they all look incredible it seems so mysterious and otherworldly and well it, it does and uh it, it's it's fun to see. It reminds me of the haunted mansion at Disney. Um, oh God! Some of the some yeah, of the, I see what you're saying. The, the stuff ghosts. they show you on like in the mirrors and things like that of ghosts. Yeah. Uh, but I I've always it's scary when the the arc uh, opens up and it's just this sort of you know Marcellus Wallace suitcase light comes out of it <laughs> and um. I, it's it's funny because uh, what's his name? I can't. Remember, it's not taught, but. Uh, the other Nazi scoops up a handful of uh, of just oh, dirt. Colonel just... Musgrove, I think. Yeah, 
Uh, no, no. Colonel Musgrove is uh, one of the the military. Uh, oh right, right, US right. Military. Um, yeah, I, I cannot think of what the guys. Is it Gobler? Dietrich. I think it's. I think it's Dietrich. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he. Yes, because he screams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and has like the jaw pulled down. <laughs> that that, but I I I just that's such a cool special effect. I think so. So Belloc looks crushed, Tot's laughing, and then uh, yeah, Dietrich I love the Tot reaction. <laughs> well, I mean, Tot, I think Tot's almost practical about it. Like, I've been sent on this mission to do this. Okay, it was all for nothing. He's like, I think he's like, oh, you guys are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but I, I did, I do love the special effects. Uh, my wife and I always had this joke of I don't know why, but just the melting face of of uh, Tot when. Uh, I think they just did it with wax and I think they built like a, a, a bunch of layers of, of wax up over like the, the skeletal face. And it's like a, um, what do you call it? A time-lapse of them effectively melting just, yeah. the face. And it just, it just, it's always looked so cool. And it's funny that as a practical effect, it's like, why don't you see more of that today? Like, yeah, it looks, it it's more, it, I mean, it's more interesting to me than doing it CG cg like trying to do it perfectly how this would be cg yeah. of like is like oh like because this is like an otherworldly like magic divine power like it's not real so it doesn't need to be real in the effect either of what it would do so i think it, it works just fine of like this is <laughs> this is what happens when you open the ark of the covenant like okay Your face melts like, off. <laughs> yeah. nobody nobody knows <laughs> that's like yeah, that's and that's how it does it <laughs> Uh, Belloc head explosion still pretty intense. It's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I think when I took Carter to see this in theaters, he had his eyes closed for almost all of this stuff because it was like the, the ghost. Yeah, like, it's pretty. It's pretty scary if you're. Yeah, he, he, he was he was done after that. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, he's like, just tell me when it's over, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll I'll watch after that. And so, so it's a great ending of like this thing they've been chasing, and like killing the Nazis because it does have divine power. Um. And then somehow they managed to come up with like an ending that kind of even tops that Um, because you could kind of just end it there if you wanted to. But then they they have the ending where it's like, well, who's looking at top men (laughs) in the ending of just the crate being put into like a warehouse. And it's so cool. This thing you've been like chasing the name of the movie. Um, It's so like otherworldly, powerful, mysterious that like, they just put it away. They just lock it away of it was too much. Um, and that's like such a cool thing to have what you were chasing was that like divine that, and power. Like, yeah. Well, interestingly, I don't, the there is no good alternative, I think, for what they could do with it. It, it just has to be that there was, it was, yeah, yeah it, it was too powerful <laughs> like, that, that nobody could harness it. And it's interesting. Right. It would have to have been like lost at like the bottom of the sea or something. Otherwise, yeah. like, yeah. And I, I do like I do like it's one of the parts I do like about Crystal Skull that they call it back. Uh and it's in Area 51 and, and that it, it's sort of yeah, it's, yeah. ironic that the, the Soviets are after uh alien technology and they have the, the super weapon that's actually like right next I to know. Them all the time. <laughs> you know it's a funny like dramatic irony for the audience so. of like, oh, they should probably just go after that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like if they just stopped and actually didn't chase Indy, they'd be they'd be probably pretty sad. So because God's cool with communists, he wouldn't melt them. No, I definitely wouldn't melt them. So yeah, so they'd be all right. <laughs> I well, I'm not going to presuppose that they all get melted because they're evil. I think it's just uh, it's 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 sort of this 
idea that the, the the power of God is not for for man to to try and harness. And I think that's the the idea they're trying to show here is nobody is capable of of harnessing that power. Like yeah, this isn't meant for man. Yeah, to have, and and that's why they had to like close their eyes and not look on the power of God. Like and, and, it's and too punish. much. Punish. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing that for Christmas, right? We're gonna do. <laughs> We're not going to even do the first Silent Night, Deadly Night. We're going to do the se- the sequel. I like it. <laughs> Garbage Day! Well, because right. the sequel has so much of the first one in it. That should be probably <laughs> it's okay. It's got about conservatively two-thirds of the first movie. <laughs> so, um... You've got to go. I, I do, pretty soon. Um, but we can wrap, wrap up a tiny bit. Um, um, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts or anything we missed or any... I, it's it's hard to talk about it because it's just perfect it's yeah and i like feel so many silly. of my notes i have like page after page of notes for like this thing was awesome yeah <laughs> like, i like all of this <laughs> it's 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 there's just so few really i wouldn't even say bad but just wrong choices or wrong turns that are made in this it's just it's a it's it caught me at the right age it it delivers on nearly every front it's got an iconic actor it's got an iconic score it's got an iconic director an iconic writer it's 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 really what happens when you get a, a lot of people together at the top of their game at the right time it's just it's it's lightning in a bottle um and yeah, it's hard it's, to it's, it's hard incredible. to put it's hard to put anything else say say a bad i'm sure people at the time were like oh it's just a dumb action movie but i think it's become something where it it's a high watermark that i just haven't seen repeated in movies. I, I, I want to say I should have looked it up. I want to say maybe Pauline Kale had a review at that time. It was basically like, I hated this, but I admit this was really good. But I am very scared for what's coming because this is the good version. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get a bunch of bad versions of people trying to do this. of. Oh, we did. She's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I, was, I should look that review up again. But I was like, well, it's like, it's like that would be correct. Um, I think it was for this. I'm not, I'm not 100, but I need to pull up what that was. But um, if it was, I mean, she wasn't wrong. But I, yeah, she is dead on of what was, what was coming. <laughs> there's, but there's just no missteps to me in this, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I it's, it's that's, I think like, it's perfect. It's it, like, yeah, perfectly executed like storytelling movie making and like everything works every choice they made was the right choice and just makes the movie better and better and um i don't know yeah i can't even imagine how many times i've seen this movie and i never get tired of seeing it like i've watched it three times in the past like two months i think um (laughs) me me too actually (laughs) and um and like just one for this podcast when I was rewatching with my kids to before we went to see Dial of Destiny. And then I think one time before that just happened to have it on. But like today, if I was like going through channels on TV and like Raiders Lost Ark was on, I'd like, oh, that's the best option. Nothing will be better. So we're putting that on. <laughs> uh fair. Yeah. I I think I what I like about the movie is the simplicity of of the characters and their motivations. And it's not too dark it's all it always has a little bit of levity to, to most of what they're doing and i to your point I, you can watch it with your kids and it's not yeah and the stakes never too still feel huge though yeah 
yeah yeah i agree i um yeah and it works from like eight or like from like four years old to like 40 years old or, or 60 years old or whatever like oh when was enamored with this it completely like yeah he calls it's amazing, it, like yeah no it, it's it's funny Wind, I'm like windiana jones he, no he calls it any jones any jones any jones you can't get the any indie jones. uh but uh nice it's 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 fun to be able to watch those with I mean, I remember watching these with my parents and my grandparents and watching with my kids now. It's a lot of fun. And it, I still enjoy it as much as I did when I was a kid. Yeah. It holds up. The it's movies like, hold up. And that's impressive. Yeah. There's still times I'm watching it and I get that feeling of magic of like, like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is incredible. Well, I was super into how they made the movies when we were when I was a kid and I, I had a book by ILM um, about ILM kind of in the early days and it was still very much practical effects. And I, I, I still watch this and think and Marvel at like, damn, how did they film this and actually do it practically? It's not, there's no CGI. They don't, they can't. Fake yeah. Any of it's it. so impressive. And like, it's just knowing like, yeah, it's just knowing what you want and what you need mm-hmm. as well. Like having thought out beforehand and then being so creative on the day of to be able to incorporate things within that plan and it's just incredible and you know it's funny how perfect this is making movies is hard and so i just i'm like I, i'd love yeah. to know like what <laughs> yeah. was the stuff that just didn't work like on the day or like they had a hard time with because it doesn't feel, you don't see any gaps where you're like oh yeah they were they were definitely working around something and they had to do this it just feels it feels tight and and well crafted yeah so I think I, I do think it was pretty well storyboarded, but Spielberg also is also also pretty willing day of to to make changes on the fly. Yeah, like if if we got something that sounds maybe sounds better, interesting. We'll take a shot at it. Um, yeah. So what would you what would you rate this? Uh, <laughs> one I one would, out of five, two out of five. <laughs> hmm. I give it a half a point. Uh, okay. I would yeah, say fair, fair. I would probably give it six out of five. Uh, <laughs> bull whips i i don't have a good i, I realized i didn't give you like a paragraph on my final thoughts I yeah I, I was struggling with what are the little humorous it, it's it's tough because there's um thing to like actually make the radio scale out of as well for this one um but and you also kind of still might going six out of five i i, I was gonna do 10 out of five bad dates <laughs> that's a good one i was gonna do uh six out of five uh burned um taut hands i don't know <laughs> I uh, but yeah, ten out of ten out of five. Whatever Marion's drinking, and when you, when you meet her, oh <laughs> whatever God. those shots are, I think it's just scotch or bourbon or something. It just looks it looks awful. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to talk about this in a way because it's, it's just so, yeah. too good. It's like I'm not. Uh, there's no new ground for me to break. They gush by over it. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm sure that I mean I'm sure there's people on the internet that are out there that are like. Oh, it was like the stupid theory of like, well, Indy doesn't actually do anything because if he was never there, like, the, like it, and, and actually, like, maybe he helps the Nazis find it. It's like, okay, so like, yeah. I hate that because like, so your standpoint is like, don't try. It's like, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I'm sure there's people out there who are just trying to say something provocative for the sake of being provocative about it. But I mean, this actually made me appreciate Bond movies more uh, after watching it a couple times. I'm like, you know what, like. There's a lot of DNA in this first one of, of Bond. And, yeah. Um, Especially it's, the globe trotting. The, yeah. It's better done here, though. It's just. We also uh, see how hard it is to do where you need to have this happen. You need every choice to work out and how hard that is. And it's funny that work out. 
Bond movies are always like three degrees off from always probably being garbage, <laughs> at least for a yeah. lot of them. They're like, like yeah, it's eh, a little too much of the time to to be good. Well, but... I think it's a combination of they've done so many for a while. They were doing them every two years. So like you're just not going to have whereas this is people coming in fresh, just full yeah. of ideas, just overflowing with ideas to throw into this genre. So and it also helps. I think Harrison Ford seems to really love making these like really loves the character. And you can kind of feel that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I um, we've said it on pretty much every episode, but I think Ford just brings a weight to all of this in terms of acting that just, uh, yeah, a Roger yeah. Moore is not going to be up to. I'll say, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, nothing gets Roger Moore because I actually think I enjoy his era of the movies, those movies the most. most but, but it's a different different feel than Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, and just a different a different <clears throat> level of acting or tier of acting that's maybe being delivered yeah. through Harrison Ford. <laughs> that's all. So it turns out uh, Indiana Jones turns turns out to be a really good movie, and uh, Steven Spielberg is a really good director, and Harrison Ford's a really good actor. So who knew? It's amazing all this new ground we're breaking with. I guess. Last question. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, one more. Nope. Well, are you satisfied? I guess we, you know, uh, we we finished on Raiders, and we did Dial Destiny before. Are you satisfied that this is a good conclusion? Let's just leave this franchise behind. Um, no, I think we, I think we do it again. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, do you think that they, they stopped the series and that oh, they, they can they actually dial it practically... really the last one? Yeah. And I, I mean, at this point, I hope so. It, it just seems so impractical to shoot. And I really don't want them to de-age or de-age movie kind of stuff. Like that's just gonna, I don't, yeah, I, I really don't want to see that, that go that route. So I, I hope, I hope it caps off here, but you know what, if, I probably would have said the same thing after Crystal Skull. So, you know, if we get another indie movie, um, I mean, I'll go see it and hope for the best. Fair. Well, I I, I kind of agree. I hope I hope this is it. Uh, and Harrison Ford can go off into the sunset a little bit with, yeah. with his with the uh, on what I thought was not a, not a bad note. So. All right. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Right. Still fantastic. We got to <laughs> yeah. figure out what we're doing next, but we'll, we'll announce that uh, sometime after. But uh, I'm sure it will be. Something of lesser quality than probably what we, we, we just covered. <laughs> just a guess. Yeah. All right. I'll see you later, buddy. Goodbye. <laughs>